Kate's talking on mute. Do not adjust your radio dial. You are tuned in to the Mark Order Podcast. Join the Mark Order. The Mark Order Podcast. We're back in the house talking all things AEW. Hot off of the NFL draft. Hot off of blood and guts. Kate the Great has returned. Aunt Money is holding it down. And I have this magical drink that my wife made me. And she won't tell me what's in it. But it tastes like a root beer. Ooh, that's magical. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Oh, yeah. Happy Cinco de Mayo, which I know, Aunt, that you celebrated with pizza. <laughs> From the Pizza that's Venus right. truck. I guess that was like my punishment for not being able to make it last week. I missed a, uh, an Aunt and Matt sighting together at the pizza truck but um i did see the picture that got posted of the boy eating it and he looked very very happy so (laughs) brought me a lot of joy that way (laughs) well kate it was not like an intentional i was literally 10 minutes from anthony's house so no 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 i get it so (laughs) i was getting stabbed in the arm while you guys were gallivanting and eating pizza how are you uh how are you feeling i'm feeling good so far i've been hydrating like crazy i got a hot tip that pineapple is like a good thing to have so i had some of that all right and uh we'll see if i feel like shit tomorrow or like three quarters of the way through the show which would be entertaining so really that's like a win-win you know what (laughs) as much as i love to bust your balls and stuff i really hope you don't uh feel like shit at any point through the show or tomorrow uh, because it is no fun. That is what I have heard. And I've also heard both that people who have had COVID have it worse. And also people that have had COVID have a better reaction. So nobody knows anything. So I'm just going to hydrate and hope for the best. And I got vaccinated in my rascal shirt that I received in my box of wizardry from the Monday night show that Matt curated just for me. Which I appreciated. I did curate that. I'm the, now I'm looking for this picture of the young man enjoying his pizza. He was so entertaining. It was so much fun. I think uh, the missus of, of Mrs. Money might have been the one to have posted it, if that helps you find yeah, it. Yes, it does. I'll it was adorable. It. Uh, he was so... Yeah. Matt! Matt! You crushed this! You crushed his pizza! <laughs> that was an exact quote. I've never heard him say that about anything or to anyone, Matt. So, so Kate, Kate, let me give you some background. Matt, you know, had said yesterday, if the weather holds, I'm going to be, you know, like 10 minutes from your house. So I said, 
if you're there, I'm coming by because the boy will get a kick out of the truck. So weather held. So uh, Matt, let me know around midday. I'm going to be there. So I said, okay, cool. We're coming. And that's when I decided to tell the boy, because if I told him last night and then it didn't happen, that would have been a world of trouble. So I came upstairs like mid morning to tell him that he was in trouble for doing something he shouldn't have been. And I was like, well, uh, I need a good report the rest of the day. And if you're good, we'll go get pizza from a truck. And he was like, it's a truck for pizza. And I was like, yeah. And he thought, I guess, Matt, that it was going to be like a truck that spit out pizza (laughs) or like some, he had something in his brain that wasn't really matching up, but we, we tempered expectations and we bought him there. He's like, is this the restaurant? I'm like, no man, it's a truck. He's like, what? And then when he got out and saw the truck, his mind was like blown. I don't know if Matt could hear it, but he was like making all these like sound effects. He was like, like, and that was his head exploding because he couldn't, you know, he was mind blown. So he told Matt, I would like a pizza with extra cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, Great order. And that's, out of the gate. that's that it. was perfect. It's what he got. And we went to the trunk uh, and we sat him down and gave him his pizza, and we were like, "This is all yours, buddy. Like you can have all this if you want." Hold on, no, and no, we... wait now. Pre uh-huh. to the trunk to eat. Oh, true, true. I forgot. So pre the trunk, Matt was showing him like the truck, and he, he's like, "The oven's in the truck," and he was like, "Matt was like, yeah, it's in the truck," and he was showing him the wood burning, and so Matt's like, "Hey, you want to throw some wood in?" And he was like, "Yeah," so he took the wood and he tried to throw it in. He missed the first time, but quickly learned second one straight up and in. And then Matt was like, it's going to warm up and then we're going to put it on the fire and it's going to like, you know, you know, it's going to like explode. Right. Like he said something. And so Matt goes to move it and the baby puts his hands on his ears. Like he thinks there's going to be a giant explosion. And it was like, no, 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 no. You're going to see it light up. And when it lit up, he like lost his shit. Did so, anything come out and cover Matt and then there was no explosion? Is that what happened? Yeah, that's kind of what it was like. There was no explosion. But he still, he had a good reaction. It wasn't like that. Um, I was going to say, I so, feel like I would kind of react the same way if I got to throw wood into the fire on a pizza truck and I got to see it. That would be sick. Yeah, it was great. And then we sat him in the trunk to eat his pizza and he, you know, he's folding it up like a pro, taking it down. Kate, he ate the whole fucking pizza, except for the crust, by himself. The whole pizza. We're lucky if he eats, like, a whole Mama Celeste. Like, he usually will eat, like, four pieces, like, a half of a Mama Celeste pizza. So when he took down this whole pizza, we were like, holy shit. And he was telling... Truck, bro. You know what I mean? Oh, of of course. But, like, for size comparison. Yeah, oh, know. So he was just like... He's literally like, Matt, you crushed this pizza. He's like, it's so good. Like, you so good at making pizza. And so, like, he had his pizza, and then it was like, you know, time to go. And uh, and Matt was like, he we went, we brought him over to say thank you. And Matt was like, you want to? He said something like, can I throw more wood? And Matt was like, <laughs> okay. So he got to throw one more piece of wood and then it started smoking up. And he's like, ew, what's that smell? And he's like, it's a smoke, man. Like, see? And he was like, oh, I'm going to go run through the smoke. So he stood there for like five minutes running through the smoke. And then it was like, all right, pal, we really have to go. Here's why kids are great. 
Pizza trucks are magical. It's a truck that brings you pizza, hot pizza with an oven on it. We should all have that reaction. We should all be that filled with gratitude and bewildered and excited that there is a way for a truck to bring you pizza. And kids remind us of that. (laughs) And not only bring you pizza, Kate, it brings you pizza in like 90 seconds. Like it's fucking fast and it's really delicious. So if you ever see that pizza Vita truck in your neighborhood, stop by and get a pizza because it's really fucking good. He crushed it. That's right. <laughs> he crushed it. And Matt, I swear to God, on the I don't know if I said this when this show was happening uh, or if I said it before we started, but Kate, the whole goddamn ride home, he was like, Matt's so good at making pizza. He's awesome. He let me throw wood on the fire. I'm like, I, I lived the whole thing, pal. I understand. I totally get it. So he was like, and then Matt told us, I'm going to be here like once a month in the summer so he i guess heard that and on the ride home he's like so he's gonna be here again we we're like yeah and what i was like i have to behave <laughs> yeah he was like his wheels were spinning uh in his brain and he, now he gets it that you know matt's gonna be there you even know it, once a month we're gonna get to see matt for pizza he even oh asked God. to make a pizza yes what was he more taken by thunder rosa or the pizza truck man he didn't get bashful around the pizza truck so i'd have to say thunder rosa i think he was awestruck different type um, of month. it makes sense yeah yeah <laughs> but the pizza truck he kate he like wanted to go for like i don't know if i told you this matt when we got there or before we got there i think he was saying like can we go for a ride in the pizza truck and we were like no that's not that's not how it works. Like it stays there. We're not riding it or anything like that. And I think he still thought there was a chance like he could get on the truck and like ride around with it. And we were like, no, that's that's not how this works, pal. But I mean, he I is both ends of that are exciting for a little dude, right? Like a truck is already cool enough. And then a truck with pizza on it is like there's nothing cooler when you're a little kid. So I, I get wanting to have the full truck experience as well as the pizza experience, but unfortunately not in the cards. But when he grows up someday, he can follow him at his footsteps, hopefully only in that specific way and in no other way. So. I don't know. I'm doing okay for myself. You're doing great. You're doing great over there. My wife made uh, pizza this evening. This is what I'm stuffing my face with. It is delicious. She was going for, uh, and this is only a local reference, there's a place in Clifton called Bruno's, and they make the most amazing square slice pie you'll ever fucking eat. And she tried to replicate that. And I think this is delicious. It's not Bruno's. And she knows it's not Bruno's. But when she tries to replicate, she's like trying to paint the fucking Mona Lisa. Like, Bruno's is the best square slice you'll ever have, in my opinion, oh. and hers. This is really good. But she's probably downstairs beating herself up while she's eating this, or she's, like, at the top of the stairs listening uh, because she ran up before and gave me this magical drink. I got. I want to find out what's in this. She won't tell me. She says it's a gentleman's drink, and I said I'm not a gentleman. Gentleman's drink. Is that accurate? Well, don't mind me. I'm just going to eat into the microphone. No, go for go it. Ahead. I mean, 
I listened to last week's show without me and the first like 20 minutes was you guys talking about hanging stuff up. So I hung up more, I hung up more podcasts. Stuff. That would have been great, but it's a wrestling podcast. And then it got into your chase figure, which I was actually legitimately extremely excited about for you. I don't care about figures in the slightest, but knowing you got that Cody chase, especially when you tried to buy it and it was a fucking scam. Oh, that's not, I haven't forgotten. That's not that's not that Cody Chase, Kate. Okay, but it's a Cody Chase at least. Like I'm, you do have a Cody Chase, which is exciting. I'm super excited. I'm and very happy for you, genuinely. Kate, I'm gl- I'm glad you brought up the Chase figure because Aunt Money over here, he has he has a package he would like to unbox tonight. He got he recently received something. Ooh, is that from Ringside Collectibles, sir? It is. It's from Ringside. All right. Now I don't. Th- it's nothing like Chasey or anything like that. I just get fucking bark box in the mail for Buster. I don't have anything to unbox. I got to start buying myself some cool whoa, shit. Whoa, whoa! You have that wonderful T-shirt that you got in your box of wizardry. That is true, though. Don't kayfabe it, Kate. Kayfabe it. Showed up on your I, porch. It arrived on my porch. <laughs> In a box, for sure. I definitely didn't pick it up at Matt's at the last pay-per-view. The The postman was singing, like, the Hey, Mr. Postman song. He rang my doorbell. I went and signed for it. And with a childlike glee, I opened it to find it was my box of wizardry. It was glowing. This rascal shirt was in it. You did for real, though. Y'all need to get on the, the box of wizardry tier, because I got some cool shit. And what you got? Oh, you got yourself a Cody. Yeah, it's the uh, champion Cody. Uh, Double or nothing from uh, 523-2020 in Jacksonville. The ringside collectibles exclusive. This back of this packaging is pretty tight, too. It's hard to see. There's a lot of lights on here. And it's right around double or nothing for this year. So it's good. Well played. Well played ringside. Yeah, so, it looks really cool in the package. It is a beautiful piece. Uh, um, I think it's. I think it might be the best Cody figure they've made. Yeah, even the the additional heads on the side here and the shirt, which is saying Man, a lot. There's like 47 Cody figures. Yep. The packaging is really nice on this one. It's like. Uh, like silver and or silvery and glossy and shit. It's really nice. Yeah, it looks good. I got mine the other day too. I uh, literally got it and like just didn't have time to open it up, so that's why I said I'll just wait. I'll do know. it. It's if, not a chase, right? If there's gonna be like a regular thing, I just won't open my packages that come during the week because I got my two limited edition Macho Man micro brawlers yesterday. Oh, I can't wait till you order something super fucking boring and open it. It's like just an Amazon box and you forgot. <laughs> I mean, anything, anything's possible in my world. It's true. Oh. You guys did kill it without me. I was not on a one way blind date with Sean Ross Sapp. I'm not a fucking home wrecker just for the record, by the way. <laughs> I'm nobody's side piece. But it was very fun to listen to you guys. Thank you to Ryan Schlong for filling in for the whole episode and not just for his dedicated segment, but it was a really fun listen. And uh, I was driving back at like 
I don't know, midnight, I think on Saturday night, probably closer to one in the morning, just like cackling at the fucking mascot talk. <laughs> like just exhausted from an insane weekend listening to you guys. I had to like pull over for gas. And I think the, the gas attendant thought I was just bananas because I was just like exhausted and laughing. I probably looked like a scene out of a horror movie at that point, but you guys killed it. I missed you guys. I really missed doing this last week and I'm excited to be back on track. I'm surprised I still have the login to both Twitter and to the Zoom. I thought for sure you would have been like, hey, Shlong, here's the new stuff. But Yeah, we're still working on changing the Twitter password. You're uh <laughs> You are out of control on Twitter. Uh, yeah, I didn't think we were doing a mascot poll this week. I, I thought we were going to poll the group on what we should call Ryan Schlong segment because we still don't have a formal name for his dark segment, but we'll figure it out. I think AW Dark, Elevated, and Flaccid. Well, I mean, that's long. We're going for the Bluetooth sponsorship. Wow. <laughs> Tales from the Schlong. he said the long and the schlong of it which i like i kept trying to make it like a little bit of schlong (laughs) yeah i I don't know we'll have to think of a name i was i thought i had something the other day and i didn't text you guys and now it's gone forever uh so i don't know if i think of it i'll I'll bring it up, but yeah, we should probably just throw it out there and be like, hey, name this segment, because we suck at it. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it up to the good the good people out there. As long as it's not a biased poll, Kate, because you weren't here to talk about how you're how you you tried to sway the vote and it didn't work in your favor at all. First of all, I think if anything, it went the other way because you guys made such a stink about it and second of all there was a i agree and then i i disagree option it just you know had a little bit fancier wording you tried really hard to sway the vote and like I, and i realized billy gunn was nine and one and should technically be ranked i that like i had another level of hatred <laughs> like I mean, billy gunn one to Matt's hatred for Marco Stunt. It was like I was like at a seven. Um, well, since we're talking, go ahead, go ahead. I will not be doing a rankings wrap this week. What? What? I didn't have time to prepare, and last week was such a disaster. Whoa, 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 no, whoa. No, no, When no. you did have time to prepare, it was worse. I did not have time to prepare last week either. That's what I'm saying. It was worse when you had more time. If you want me to quit the show, just ask me to quit the show, Matt. Just do it on air. I can only embarrass myself so much during a week between the Monday night show and this show. I know that's not true. (laughs) Look, when we get a couple years into it, I can just drive people away with the rap. But we're six episodes in. They can't be tuning in, listening to whatever garbage fell out of my mouth last week. It was atrocious. I know I, I mean, listened, but you're not going to get worse. You're not going to get, well, you're definitely not going to get worse, but you're not going to get better. That's not true. Reps. If I have time to write my rhymes, we shouldn't have any issues. Then Matt you can break out your tissues. Look, you just well, used I mean, my words right now. Egregious. Who? What? I, I mean, I, 
I was going to say, if you don't want to wrap this week, Matt, that's fine. It will, it will break our hearts. And I'm sure everybody listening out there, but if you don't want to rap, you don't have to rap. It, I'm not, I'm not upset. I'm disappointed. Look, I'm upset. You, you can't give them everything they want every week. You got to make them want to come back for more. Okay. That's why Taz doesn't show up every week. JR is gone. He fucking hit the dirt. He's out because everyone's like, is JR going to, where's JR? Where's JR this week? JR said, fuck y'all. I'm out. All right. It's got to be natural. You can't just ask for it every week. Now Anthony's not in Jacksonville, I, so there's no Taz. This is well. Rough listen, stuff. I had the I, listen. I had the funding pulled when we were part of the Monday Night Expansion. You guys were sending me down every week, taking the you know travel expenses and paying for them. Thank you for letting me rack up the miles and keep them. But uh, who knows? Maybe I'll find myself in Jacksonville another week here when I can get down there. Would have been great to be there tonight, but I was not. I was on my couch. My birthday is May 14th. If you don't do them on the 17th, I'm going to be so sad. You want me to fucking jump up and down and bang the fucking symbols too? What am I, your monkey boy? First of all, yes. Second of all, I think it's reasonable for my birthday to request a rankings rep, especially when I was led to believe that this was going to be a weekly segment on the show, and now you're just pulling the rug out from under me. I got fucking stabbed in the arm. I'm going to feel like shit tomorrow. I'm not even going to be able to listen back to a rankings rap to make myself feel better. Just sitting there with a fever with no rankings rap to listen to. You got two weeks worth of ranking raps to listen to, okay? Go back to the archives. Join the markorder.com. You can listen well, to old rankings raps. They never change, and they don't matter to you. So why are you so bent out of shape about this? Because now we're going to have to just talk about the rankings like all normal, and I hate them, and everybody hates that I hate them. Well, let's forget about the rankings for now. Okay. Kate, you did. We were talking about Twitter polls, and we did have a poll up this week. Uh, do you want to cover the poll now before we get into things too deep? Uh, because this was a very important poll. It was extremely important and very much wrestling related. I wanted to know what the good people of the Mark Order thought about Matt's completely unjustified mask outrage and who they would want to see him beat up. And the options were Fred Bird, which was, though a distant second, second. Um, Gritty was on there. Marco Stunt ran away with it with like 55%, though. It was pretty wild. Who did I put in at number three? I think I said someone at Disney World. <laughs> why? Let me ask you a question. Why, does it, why is it unjustified? I have my reasons. It, it, you know what? It's not unjustified. It's disproportionate is what it is. I don't even know what like, that means, okay? You said you wanted to murder a man with your bare hands. Who's a man? And, uh, Who's a man? Fred Bird. Is Fred a Bird's not a man. He's a fucking bird. Well, I mean, that's true. I hope no one from PETA is listening. I hope everyone from PETA is listening. I'll fucking strangle that dumb bird and his googly eyes, and then I'll jam a bat up his ass. How do you like that? Whoa. I mean, and sodomy? It's, that's a lot. Well, uh, that's how I feel about fucking Fred Bird. 
Oh, I put the rally monkey in there because I fucking hate the rally monkey. And if I was here Wednesday, you would have gotten a rally monkey rant. But Marco Stunt with 52% of the poll, not even a plurality, a majority, 52% is who people want to see beat the shit out of. Fred Bird, 24%. A lot of people didn't know who Fred Bird was, which was upsetting. Gritty at 15 and the rally monkey only at nine. And I was part of that 9% because I hate the fucking rally monkey. I got no qualms with monkeys. Monkeys are good with me. I think it's just because the angels were like the bane of the Yankees existence in the years that was around. <laughs> and so I associate those and those godforsaken thundersticks with the angels beating the Yankees. It makes me really annoyed. Did we get thundersticks at that ring of honor show? We did. Thundersticks rock. Thundersticks they do. Rock. We also got Teddy Hart ornaments. That's right. My little, my little, I held his cat for like five minutes. You really did. There were like six cats in the Lamborghini. I don't think I've ever been in a more uncomfortable situation because I didn't. I wanted. I didn't want to hold his cat anymore, and he didn't seem to have a care in the world. And the cat was just like, "Save me, save me." My favorite part of that whole thing was I think uh, me and the doctor were standing like within, you know, distance. We were basically staring at you guys, like from maybe twenty yards away, and you guys kept looking at us and i think i even said to the doctor at one point do they want us to like go over there get them out of this situation and we just decided we're gonna stay put and then you guys came over and i think matt your question to us was why didn't you guys come over and we were just like we're good we're what a really stick good on a Lamborghini. it was wild That's yeah crazy I, mean, I got to i got to fucking put a sticker on something that's worth a shit ton of money that was fun that is true. And we heard some stories. Oh, some yeah. True, some of them that were definitely not true. It's but like mini... it was a great time. That was a that was a pivotal day in the Mark Order podcast history. That was a great day. The birth, the, birth of the, the birth of the Mark Order. Truly. That's right. For at least three of us, right? One of us didn't give a shit. So, <laughs> well, you know, one of us started something and then walked away from it, just like he did in the DDP yoga. So it's fine. Whoa! Wow! You're coming in. Someone who also frequently leaves and comes back. I've been on fire, baby. Come on! No, I'm proud of you. I gotta. I got. You know what? Big shout out to my man Milwaukee Tom, who's holding me accountable. Text me every day to make sure I do my shit. Milwaukee Tom is like fucking DDP beast in there. Um. Does uh are we do we are we talking about dark and elevation? Is there anything to note there? Is the schlong joining us for a segment? What's the story here, people? I can text him to come on since none of us watched shit this week. <laughs> you know what's funny is I meant to uh I, I actually did mean to watch uh elevation, uh and then if I was gonna have a chance to watch dark, uh and I don't know what happened, I just never watched elevation. I either fell asleep Monday night, or I just was watching something else. I've been, I don't know why I've lately, I've been on a Simpsons kick. So, uh, so I've been watching a lot of the Simpsons. Which episode? Uh, all I'm just literally going in order. (laughs) I mean, I literally, I opened up Disney plus and I said, start. And I started with episode one, season one. I'm up to season six now. And let me tell you, that show hit its stride in season three, 
and I'm in season six, and there are some bangers in season six. Nice. Uh, but I don't know why. I, I usually like if I'm tired of listening to the radio or something like that, I'll just put something on and listen to it. And I've just been letting the Simpsons roll, and I don't stop it. So anyway, hey, it looks like Ryan Schlong is here with us. Hey, Kate was supposed to send me a heads up text, but she didn't. I did when oh. they already, it was too late. So <laughs> way, way to fail. Welcome, Schlong. Simpsons is best seasons are three through ten. Yeah, I mean, season two had some good stuff in there. Uh, but really, like, once you get to season three, they just, it's like, you look at all those episodes and you're like, classic, classic, classic. Like, it Every just starts episode. rolling. Yeah, yeah, really good I, stuff. I was not allowed to watch The Simpsons when I was younger, but I did watch South Park with my dad, which I think my mom definitely, probably to this day, does not know if she did not want me watching. That's way worse. So, oh, a million percent. But I think it was like a, a battle bus to South Park back-to-back situation. And so my dad and I just ended up watching it and she didn't know. Um, but I, this is, I, I haven't watched The Simpsons really. And I never watched any Star Wars movies. Yeah, you're the worst. I know. I know that. <laughs> you really she showed up this week. Oh, that's true. Uh, some people I... are on that but also i have a funny thunderstick story that's just you guys made me think of it um i don't know if any of you guys watch basketball but the whole point of thundersticks and basketball is put behind the free throw uh behind the net for free throws and back in like 2001 alan iverson's mom was giving them out she put them out all to the right side so that the shooter didn't see any of them (laughs) (laughs) it's just clat like they're supposed to be distracting right to the right no one saw a single one perfect oh my god well uh matt loves thunder sticks love, and, a, thund- uh, love a good thunder stick hello mr schlong how are you hey, i'm good pizza dude how you doing good i had to run down and wash my plate my wife tried to give me more pizza uh i i know i'm a big dude but I, that those two slices did me good so i didn't mean to run out as soon as you showed up she's a you're not kate i understand you're not hiding from me She's just a wonderful woman, woman, and I don't want her waiting on me hand and foot. So I decided I would go wash my plate for her. Last week, she, last week she threatened to piss all over your uh, figure. So that is true. That's true. It's a uh, you know, it's every day it's a, an adventure. Was it a piss or a jizz situation? Did we? I think we said both. Little column A, little column B. It could be. I mean, she's the only one who really knows what her ultimate plan is. So that's fair. That's fair. So Ryan, we've talked so long and not at, at all about wrestling. So we're hoping that you can get us on track here. Uh, as I mentioned, I planned to watch Elevation this week, uh, and I just I didn't uh, because I don't know. Time got away from me. Uh, I really wanted to see my uh, new girlfriend Willow Nightingale versus thunder rosa i know my future wife abaddon was also on the episode it looked like a pretty full episode uh how was how was elevation it was good it was almost all there was no talking in this one which is surprising elevation usually has like a, a feature editor on someone or something but nothing this was all all wrestling um the abaddon ryu mizunami match was surprisingly good they 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 hit each other hard and to have Abaddon win 
was probably the biggest surprise I've seen in a while because Abaddon wasn't doing anything. And then she, they have some makeup they use that when she bites you, it looks like it actually infects you, which is kind of whoever does that makeup department does a pretty good job on that. Because <laughs> otherwise it looks cheesy. Uh, the Thunder Rosa, Willow Nightingale match, of course it was good. I mean, both of those girls can go. They didn't give them long enough, I don't think. But I, I think that that was like the good test for Willow coming in, even though obviously she's good. I'm trying to think if there's anything. I mean, I thought they were doing something with QT, but tonight changes that for me. Um, I'm trying to read if there's anything really. They, this was probably, for the exception of the two women's matches, the least uh, developing elevation I've seen in a while. Like, I don't think they That's did anything special with it. Yeah, it was blood and guts being today. I'm sure they wanted to like most of the build to be happening there. I'm not surprised that... Um... Ryo and uh, Abaddon was strong because they're kind of more similar in stature, I feel like. So they probably felt a little more comfortable beating, beating the shit out of each other because neither of them are like super tiny girls. <laughs> so I'm not surprised that they like dug in and I'm glad that Willow Nightingale, I saw a lot on Twitter that people were excited about her appearance because I think she's one of the best, if not one of the best women on the indies right now. I was kind of curious about how her and thunder rose's styles would mesh because they are very different but um she's just so magnetic willow like just her the whole her whole presence in the ring and she's very skilled so i'm glad that those two matches turned out well because again it's like maybe the or women's division is getting back on track with everybody but the champion maybe so but it's good to see things like that developing on like the sub programming where we're getting like strong women's matches consistently yeah they seem to be doing a good job you know we talk about it it seems like every week you know with with one segment on regular television to give the ladies uh sorry the women shouldn't shouldn't say it like that so one segment to give the women uh, on main TV every week, you would hope that they can continue to give them strong showings on, you know, dark and on elevation. And it seems like they've been doing a pretty good job of that. Um, uh, you know, uh, I think bringing Willow in and I'll have to go back and watch it, but I think bringing Willow in is a big, you know, uh, win for Willow, but also for them, because like Kate, I agree with you. I think she's probably the strongest woman on the Indies right now. So um, I feel like that was when they announced that, you know, in my brain, I was like, wow, that's huge. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of other people out there thought that that was a pretty, pretty good, you know, uh, pretty good idea to bring her in. So maybe they're going to work with her more. Let's, let's hope maybe she gets a shot to, to do a couple more things with them. Um, and then Ryan, just to your point about Abaddon uh, and that makeup, they do such a good job with Abaddon and she does such a good job herself of like keeping that kayfabe up on social uh, her whole, um, she did the first show. I don't remember the name of it, but it was the interview show uh, where they interviewed her and she just sat there and growled the whole time or wrote down answers and was snatching stuff off the interviewer. That was fun. And there's also uh, an Instagram for their sewing department. Like uh, the, I think it's called AEW Sew Elite. And it's basically their seamstress. Uh, and like some of their stuff, like they show you the the ring gear that they worked on and also some of the other stuff. And there was a video they put up once of um, them pulling Abaddon over to like get her measurements. 
And even in something like that, she kept up the gimmick and it was fantastic because she's like growling at this poor lady and she's just like, stop. She's like, knock it off. And she's like, you know, uh, you know, reprimanding Abaddon. It was fantastic. So I love all the stuff around Abaddon. I'm, I'm with you though. That match probably could have, and not have seen it on paper, that match probably could have gone either way. So it is a surprise that Abaddon got it because they had, you know, pretty much worked up Ryu Mizunami after this whole uh, tournament. You thought she was going to do something, but I guess not. I guess the bloom is off that rose. So uh, I, do want to point I don't one know. Thing out, and I hate sure. to start for cutting you off. I'll just forget this. Uh, Baron Black took a powerbomb from Nick Camarado, and he might actually legitimately have been hurt on that. So even though he's just a dark player, it was still something to note when you see a guy take a powerbomb and hit really awkwardly and like the way he bounced back up. And they called the doctor to the ring after. And even though they kept the camera on it to sell it, the way the, uh, I forget who the ref was, the way he called him over was typically what you see when someone's actually hurt. Like, come look at this. Cause it was, he bounced up in a really like stiff way. Yeah. And so, was not like a light hitting guy either. <laughs> His whole thing is like kind of brute force, kind of that, like, I always feel like a, a bruiser Brody energy from him so that is definitely something that uh we should keep in an eye on to see if he was injured and i also noticed in your notes ryan that you had said that this cracked three hundred thousand views at the time that you sent that email which i think was yesterday so they're they're drawing views and it seems like maybe the shorter time is helping them with that which is i think probably something that's really good like that's much more digestible than 230 or 220 or god forbid a whole extra hour 240 when you also have regular dark on top of it yeah i i am enjoying the hour and a half way more i would think so (laughs) so so ryan for elevation if you had to give i don't know let's say your top three matches for people to go check out who didn't see it what would you kind of list there and i know i'm just throwing you a curveball there no that's you to give out Check out Abaddon or Ryu Mizunami because I think you should just see the way they do it. Check out Willow versus Thunder Rosa. Honestly, the, I would check out Matt Hardy and Blade versus Cole Cabana in five. I think that just has the best wrestlers in it at that point. So, And you can tell that they're trying to make – I don't know what's up with the Butcher. You guys probably have that somewhere, but I think they're trying to adjust as best they can because he's clearly out with something. Yeah, I saw him in a hospital gown type thing today on Twitter, so I don't know what that's about. Um, was there any meat on the bone with Orange Cassidy and VSK? I'm looking at your notes, and that was one that I was like, I Well, I'm know. a fan of his, so that helps, but yeah, they actually um get let VSK get in some moves, which is nice because they don't Orange has been squashes and it allowed Orange to do some more moves instead of just being like typical same three. He did a couple different things, which looked pretty good. So, somewhere like squashing like a real match, <laughs> yeah. When they let him go, he can go, they just I like VSK. Like that's why I was actually asking because he's caught my eye a couple of times on like the sub programming. I find him to be um, really like sound in the ring. Like he always seems to be doing smart shit in there. So um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put that over the last match just for competitive reasons, sure. but it's definitely if you're watching a fourth, that would be the fourth. Well, Michael, you don't need to watch like Moxley or anyone like that. They were all squashes. So gotcha. Well, it sounds like they're at yeah. least like finding their rhythm a little bit with the differences between the two programs and stuff. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I I don't necessarily know what's going on with the butcher, but uh, it seems like there is a legitimate injury somewhere in there. Uh, they dropped out of the rankings, and like Kate said, I think there was a photo somewhere of him in like a hospital gown or something like that. So I think there's an arm injury uh, somewhere, uh, but nothing I don't think official has come out um, yet about that. So we'll see what happens. I also know that um, later in the year they have a show. Uh, Every Time I Die is playing a show in like august so uh, i'm sure if he does have an arm injury they probably want to make sure or he wants to make sure he's good for wrestling and also his quote-unquote day job right uh so he can at least play his shows uh i don't know how much touring they're going to do this year but uh they definitely have a gig in august in worcester so um we'll see what happens uh all right so that was elevation schlong now how about Unelevated, the what? unleavened version of uh, that, of AEW Dark. I was looking for a new name nickname, and I could. That was better. That, I didn't have one. Um, again, hour and a half, 131 views in a day. That's not bad at all. If you're gonna watch this, watch the Layla Hirsch versus Diamante match. They, it was hard hitting. It was a lot of fun. It also, the story in it was different than I expected. They started out really competitive, and by the end, Layla just took over. So it really felt like they were building her up to, like, this is the start of it for her. She, she had a real opponent. It was, even though it was just one week, at least it was something, like some sort of feud. And as the match went on, it became her match. Nice. You know? So it, it was, she, her style so interesting. Um, if, if you want to see two people who, who are basically the same size, it's those two. <laughs> They're both tiny women who are just slugging it out. It was it was pretty funny, but that is the match to watch if you're watching this one um, because that was a lot of fun. And realistically, I'm, I don't know why they put – that is a match that should have been on, like, Dynamite. You know, I get what – not tonight's, but another Dynamite. I heard the uh, Danny Limelight-Dante Martin match was really good. That was my second one, too. Yeah, I mean – Danny Limelight's, he should be all elite. He is unbelievable in the ring. And Dante is, he did a uh, leapfrog where I've, I've never seen the leapfrog. <laughs> like his legs completely, like his knees to chest basically leapfrog. It was really impressive. I don't know what they're doing with Dante. Like I told you last week, I'm glad they're giving him work, but they're giving him a lot of work. So it feels like I, that there's got to be some plan for him. But Danny Limelight's amazing. Any match he's been in, I've highly enjoyed. The one thing I'm going to point out in this, and I, I have to, well, there's two things because actually I'm looking at my notes. One, JD Drake, JD now stands for Just Delicious. So all, because he's part of he's part of that like pretty group with Pretty Peter, Ryan Nemeth. So he's Just Delicious, and he came out in his uh, see-through jacket that they had given him, but now he wrestled in jeans and a like a, a tank top which actually I really liked because it almost looked like what you would see um, one of the 80s wrestlers wear when it was a street fight. Sure. That, it was very much that way. and he, Even though it wasn't a street fight, it was a very good look, look on him. Um, but yeah, he's now just delicious Drake. So if anyone's there, that group is getting over. I mean, Pretty Peter is hilarious and he was kind of getting over anyway. But Ryan Nemeth and, and J.D. Drake are really getting over. Caesar's going to have to work to get himself out he has the best look but if you're going personality wise he's struggling compared to everyone else in that group sure 
sure. And he's also, I mean, that makes sense to me too, because he's by far the greenest. I mean, Ryan Nemeth was in WWE and even though he didn't have like the longest or most successful run, he certainly had all the exposure and TV experience. And that is certainly a strength of little Ziggler. Um, and then JD Drake has, I mean, he's just been around for years and I think a lot of people almost in the same way as Eddie Kingston, people were like, finally, this guy is getting some like true love. I think a lot of people seem to have felt that way about JD Drake, which makes sense because he's just delicious. But that actually like brings me to, a point that I had made in the discord and uh, I'll just bring it up here. Cause it's applicable here too. Like, I think when people talk about AEW being so stable heavy, it's undeniable that it is, but like why I think it never feels like overload, at least for me is every stable has such a different personality. So it doesn't feel like you're getting this redundancy. Like the elite is so different from the pinnacle and the dark order who stole our name is so different um you know from from anything else that's on on the program like and then you kind of have all these like little trios and stuff running around too so like you have the hollywood hunk and just delicious and that's so different from the faces that we see like in the inner circle right and like the cool guy suited up pinnacle heels are very different than like what the young bucks and kenny omega are doing with their dangly earrings and this like costco sean michael stuff like so for me i say keep building out stables like that and i think it's such a good idea especially on like these sub programs to do stuff like that too because you can kind of plug people into different roles and see how they fit and it not have like a huge consequence on programming and if three guys or four guys get over it once great but a guy like caesar who they see something in that i don't really see a ton in Maybe there's something that they've caught on to that I haven't yet. Sure, throw him in this and see if he can get himself over around these three guys who are already getting themselves over with tons of charisma and personality. I mean, Peter Avalon is just absolutely fucking hilarious. But that was something that clicked into me today. I was like, oh, that's why I don't feel like it's stable overlord. Like, I I do get sick of some of the, like, gang war stuff that we're constantly seeing of everybody rushing out all the time. But, like, because everybody has such distinct identities in these stables and it trickles down to the sub-programming, too, with AEW, like, I'm, give, give me stables all day if you're going to be doing stuff like that. That's so much fun. Well, I think, sorry, Matt, real quick. I think the good thing with some of these stables too is for, let's say the case of uh, like the the wingmen, right? I think that's what they're calling that stable. Yeah. Um, uh, so- you- I didn't know that. That's like the perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think what's good about something like that, right? Is that you can not necessarily hide Caesar Bononi, right? But you can put other guys around him who can make up for his shortcomings. So they can make him look better. And the other thing too, is that I think they're clearly, without having anything said, I think they're clearly lining up a trios kind of division and title here uh, at some point. So I think that it makes sense. They're building up these other kind of stables to kind of solidify a bunch of these trios teams to then, set up these titles so you need a bunch of stables and and kind of groups to do that so you know i don't have a mind with i I don't have a a problem with all these stables because they're doing it well Uh, you know the minute though that this starts to turn and you're just like what is going on with all of these stables that make no sense you know then it's going to be like okay let's let's you know thin thin out the herd uh sorry matt i cut you off no it's okay if you're excuse me if you're going to do stables, I think New Japan is the perfect um, template for you to, to to learn from because they do almost everyone is in a stable 
uh, and it it takes up a lot of their time when they do their their road two shows. Um, you know, they do a bunch of the, a small tour before their big shows, uh, and it's a lot of uh, stable versus stable. But uh, it doesn't bleed over into a lot of the singles matches. Like you won't see anyone from Chaos helping Okada, um, unless like it's part of the story and it's a big match, and maybe like somebody from the Empire is getting involved. Someone will run out, but not the whole stable. It's never the whole stable unless you're in the goddamn fucking Bullet Club. Um, and even that's not so bad. It's just fucking Dick to go is the worst. He's literally the fucking worst. I'm so over evil. Dick to go, he literally has to go. Every fucking evil match is exactly the same. But the the stable um, formula works great. And you give yourself an out. Like, Cesar Bononi is in this stable. And if the other guys are getting over, well, guess what? Cesar Bononi is going to eat the pin every fucking time, just like Chase Owens does for the Bullet Club or Yujiro uh, Takahashi does for the Bullet Club. Someone has to eat the pins. Um, and then when that person doesn't eat the pin it's usually part of telling a story like oh my god this person just pinned uh the whatever tnt champion in a fucking six-man tag match and now you kind of set yourself up there so uh, i'm a big fan of the stables you just need to have them but not make them so much focus you know when show is wrestling uh fucking el desperado it's not chaos against suzuki goon it's just show versus el desperado Keep it simple until they need to be brought in. So that's my take on the uh, stay battles. I like it. Good, good take, Matt. Thank you, thank you. I feel good about it. You should. Good. I feel good about myself tonight. Got to lead with something if you're not going to wrap the rankings. Oh <laughs> come on. That's okay. That dead horse will be glue before the end of the show. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> I know who I am. <laughs> It's fine. Of course. You know your place. So, Schlong, beat the... uh, between Dark Elevation and Dark, what was your favorite match out of the two shows? Oh, Layla Hurst versus uh, Diamante. That is... It, it felt like it had stakes. It felt like it mattered to the wrestlers. And they, they went at it. I, but I um don't want to forget this because it's coming out of nowhere. And I don't know if it's going to be important, but... In the Lance Archer versus Luther match, um, which was not a great match, Luther was in it because of his size, but Luther doesn't move well enough to really have a great match with Lance Archer. Um, Serpentico was trying to achieve for him, and Fuego del Sol out of nowhere beat up Serpentico. That has not been on any extra stuff on YouTube. That's not like on Sammy's blog or anything. And I just found it very weird that it was Lance Archer's match they put him up with. So I don't know what – it could be just a blow-off nothing because it is dark. But if it was anyone but Lance Archer, I probably wouldn't even mention it. But since he's a big player, I, I brought, I'm bringing it up just to keep an eye on it to see are they doing something with Fuego. Because he does sell a lot of merch um, because he is on Sammy's vlog and he's kind of funny and he loses all the time. But it's still part of his charm. But to, to let him help the – one of the bigger babe. Well, I don't know if you, you consider Lance a baby face, but one of your bigger stars of the company just seemed very, very out of place. And it was your main event. So it was even more noticeable. Well, in Fuego, we've seen like on uh, the content on Sammy's vlog, like I think Cody really likes him. I don't think Cody would be fucking around with him on Sammy's vlog all the time <laughs> if he didn't. And like, 
Dustin too. I don't know if he came up through Rhodes Academy or some sort of relationship there or whatever, but like they clearly see something in Fuego. They keep booking him. They do book him to lose. But like you said, it became a running gimmick with QT on, on that blog, much like we saw Mark Order getting over on being the elite. Like it always has that similar vibe. So what order? <laughs> Damn it. Matt's usually the one to do that. <laughs> um, Anyway, my point being, I love Fuego. I, I hope they do something with him. I just get a little nervous that maybe it's a little crowd and like the high flyer luchador spot because you like the thing you don't want to do is be a diet anybody else and you really don't want to be diet Phoenix at all. So I hope they can find a way to like bring him onto programming. But I'm I'm actually really much in the uh, very much in the, the Fuego del Sol fan. I know he just had his third child his third baby so we might not be seeing him for a little bit but i would be very happy to see him in my two-hour block of time on dynamite i find him very entertaining and very skilled so to get back you to know, that it, question oh sorry sure no i was I, I was just gonna say on um as far as that fuego del sol run in it would it would shock me if they didn't at least give them a match on one of the darks um because usually everything they do like that turns into something it's not usually like an empty thing so i would be surprised if at the very least we didn't get a dark match maybe we get a little thing going between the two of them kind of like we had between uh pretty peter avalon and uh brandon cutler you know uh not necessarily maybe to that same length right but maybe we get a little bit of something out of the two of them which would be good for both of them you know uh to see a little bit more serpentic go on his own and Fuego del Sol doing some stuff on his own but I, I don't think it's an empty gesture I think there's going to be something there I don't know how much it's going to play into Lance's story uh, but I think yeah, I just only mentioned because it, it was Lance's match and that seemed like a there's so many matches up and down and it was his that they they you know they picked out but and I just want to real quick Matt if you're like I said my favorite match was Layla versus Diamante I think if you're looking for just maybe the with no stakes and no story Dante Martin versus Danny Limelight might have the most moves to it and like cool moments, but they were just thrown together and you kind of knew where that was going. I legitimately didn't know if they were going to have Diamante beat Layla because they had been doing some stuff with her. So it was to me, the, the one story that I liked was who was coming out of that with the win and going to get their, their push. Now I know Layla's all elite, so you would think it'd be her, but they've done that before. And, you know, Mad Anna Jake. Like we all of a sudden do have a women's division and all of a sudden dynamite feels crowded with one slot. Like it's pretty quick how, and for someone that watches the Monday night product that feels like it's headed straight back to the divas era um, to see how quickly, basically since that lights out match, all of a sudden there's like legitimate places to go with a bunch of, of talent. Diamante is great. Legit Layla. I've liked since before she's been here, she really impressed me at the collective right before she got signed um but you have you have tay you have layla you have diamante you have jade you have the alien back like all of a sudden there's spots to to be clamored for and feuds to be built so um that's good to hear that they had a really strong match because i like i actively want to go check that out even though it wasn't like immediately in front of me like it's nice to want to do that with women's content right now yeah yeah and you know the other thing too is that you know we'll get to you know, where we're going with the women when we talk about uh, blood and guts. Uh, but, you know, clearly there's got to be a path for once we get past um, double or nothing, 
right? So we're leading into double or nothing, and then we've got to have something coming out of it. So, you know, maybe they're testing the waters with some of these other women. Like, clearly there are the bigger names, like, you know, uh, the alien and, um, you know, even some others who they've been given time to, the bunny and, you know, even people like Penelope Ford. I think Penelope Ford is just coming back, so it's too soon to kind of do anything major with her. But, you know, we've got to have back up and follow up you know to double or nothing so maybe they're just testing the waters with a lot of these women you know i like diamante i thought she was she was good in her tag team with ivalice clearly now that's not a thing anymore so we've got to do something with her and i think there's talent there that they can they can lean on so yeah i mean i'm glad that these shows are continuing to be strong with women's content They've always done a pretty good job of loading them up with women's content, but now we're actually seeing uh, quality content and the possibility of some storylines being built with these women. Uh, You know, I think this Diamante Layla Hirsch came off last week. There was that tag match with Ryo Mizunami and Layla Hirsch and then Diamante. And I don't remember who she was tagging with. It was a throwaway. Yeah, but there, it was definitely, there was an issue built kind of during that match which led into this so it's cool to see that they're again they're following through on what they're putting out on both of these shows you know moving forward so it's good nothing seems to be thrown away um but that's cool no i I mean like i said i plan to watch these shows and just i don't know i got busy watching the simpsons so i'll have to go back and watch them uh it seems like a pretty good report ryan schlong so thank you for watching well that was your moment with Schlong. There it is. A moment of Schlong. <laughs> a moment of Schlong. Just a little bit of the Schlong. There, that's, Schlong. that I think is it. <laughs> we'll put it in a Twitter poll. We'll have a name by next. Yeah, but if you put it in a Twitter poll, then you, Paul, you're going to mention everyone has to vote for the thing you want. No, I'm not. I'm not as like enraged about any one option as i am about the rankings (laughs) i'll like all four that we put out there so it'll be an unbiased presentation that's what you say now y'all won anyway relax rankings people jesus enjoy your billy gunn being your number one contender i'll take it he's earned it he's put in the work i don't see anyone else on the AEW roster who's an ass man that's right he loves to kick him. He loves to stick him. He loves to Let's kick be fair here. Sonny Kiss is an ass man. That is true. Oh, best ass in the biz, for sure. Best in the biz, baby. What did, oh, that was a thing that happened on Dark or Dark Elevation. Joey Janela said, if you like Sonny Kiss, you're not a vegetarian because that's all meat or something. Yeah, they, <laughs> they had a squash, so I don't understand. I, I said this last week. I don't know what they're doing with Janela, but they had a squash this week. Uh, as long as he's doing shit like that on commentary, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Mr. Schlong. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Schlong, next time, don't wear a fucking Phillies hat, okay? Thanks. That'd be great. I wore it last week, too. I know. It's, it's my hat. Right, well, <laughs> have fun, you guys. Thanks for giving we'll us send, just... We'll have to send you a new hat. I won't wear it. Don't worry. You don't, You wouldn't wear a Mark Order hat? Oh, I'd wear a Mark Order hat. Yes, ah, that I would see. wear. You got me there. See, They're going to send the devil's head. No, 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 no. We're just going neutral. We don't want to make any enemies. We want to have friends. We're recruiting. I, I, will, I will wear pod merch. I won't wear any Mets merch. All right, all right. You got, well, like, 
service over there, pizza dude. Hi, Rhiannon. I was going to say, Matt, it's the invisible hand taking your empty drink. They they want to know, did you uh, jizz or pee on the action figures last week? Yeah, when they were in the box. She was Pete. Okay, so it was started out as uh, golden showers, and then it was thought that if she was jizzing, so then she was showing you the difference. She was peeing on the figures, but then she had to show you guys the jizzing on the figures is a completely different thing. That's the jizz. It could have been a little, could have been a little jizz mixed in with the urine. I mean, that's. You know. Fake jizz is gambling the dice. I get that. I get where she's going with uh, that. Case of jizz is gambling the dice, rolling the dice. Yeah, you gotta throw it at the end. Yeah, I'm with her. You gotta throw it. It's so funny to see Justin. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta Spider Man that shit. <laughs> oh my god! All right, well the tip we're of off the, the rails. We are off of the rails. We're gonna take a commercial break again. Thank you to Ryan Schlong. Tip of the Schlong. Every Wednesday night, we're just we do have some ones here. We're just throwing them out there, and we're gonna see what uh what works. And All right. uh, I don't know. Thanks, Ryan. I will be listening, Kate. You should have to do the rap this week. Oh, oh, oh man. Uh, I can try it. I'll at least try because I care. There you go. See, I just gave you guys a segment. There you go. I have to do something with the rankings. Yep, right. you have to wrap them. There you go. Well, after this short commercial break, uh, Kate's going to wrap the rankings. So uh, we'll be back and uh, stay tuned because we got to talk rankings. And then, of course, the blood and guts. And there's some news and notes and other fun stuff. So stay tuned. We'll be back after this short commercial break. Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. But when it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Because of the obvious threat to untold numbers of citizens, and because of the crisis which is even now developing, this radio station will remain on the air day and night. This station and hundreds of other radio and TV stations throughout this part of the country are pooling their resources through an emergency network hookup to keep you informed of all developments. Horns up, everyone. When on the Shining Wizards Network, be sure every Friday to check out Radioactive Metal. Radioactive Metal is one of the longest-running podcasts on the interweb, and every week we bring you a fistful of metal, including interviews with all your favorite artists, discuss all the metal news, and feature the best tunes on the air today. So grab a Lemmy, join your cool Uncle Snowy, and co-host Aaron in the pit. Your recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment broadcasting from the current to the way back. Join the impact play of Phil Rea and the Portuguese Man of War Choppy for the Turnbuckle Throwbacks Wrestling Podcast. Live every week on RantEMRadio.com. Get all our episodes over at iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, 
Audio Boom, Google Play, ShiningWizardsNetwork.com, and TurnbuckleThrowbacks.com. Are you tired of being told what to think and believe by Hollywood elites and politicians who just don't care about you? Tired of not getting the truth when you watch the news? Tired of trying to figure out what pronoun to use? Tired of mob mentality when all you want to do is think for yourself and make up your own mind? That's where we come in. This is Justin. And Vince. Your host of Inconclusive Breakdown. We are a weekly anti-PC podcast bringing you entertainment and current event news without any spin. If you want to truly stay informed on what's going on in the world, then give us a listen every Sunday, anywhere you get podcasts, at least till Zuckerberg and Twitter Jack deplatform us. And as always, we're proud members of the Shining Wizards Network. Tired of the PC police telling you what you can and cannot say? Want a show that travels back to the 80s and 90s where the badass hosts have beaten down cancel culture on three separate occasions and carried on to gloat about it? Since 2013, The Midnight Journey is that show. Travel back to the malls and arcades, pop in your VHS, and join us where the 80s and 90s return from the dead. Conan, tell them where to find us. WLWstudios.com, home of the Midnight Jury podcast hosted by Midnight Mike and Calvin Brody. Also available on all major podcast platforms via the Shining Wizards Network and join in the conversation on Twitter at Midnight Jury. What's up, wrestling fans? You want something awesome? Check out Wrestling Night in Canada here on the Shining Wizards Network, where three Canadian metalheads uniting for the love of pro wrestling. Every episode, we go over all the latest news and special events with the odd, unique interview as well. So grab a cold one and check out Wrestling Night in Canada, eh? Hey. That is the commercial break, and we are back here on the Mark Order Podcast. All right, well, the schlong, Kate, this is like your own doing. You you bring the schlong into the Discord, and he wins us all over with his uh, bubbly personality and his his quick comebacks and his wit, and, uh, and then he uh, willy pips you last week, and now... Just before he bids you adieu, he says you should do the rankings wrap this week. And goddamn, if you did not just get thrown under the bus. I did, but you know what? I do it for the people. So I'm going to try it. But I will remind you that the only reason I have to do this is because you bailed. Yes. Okay. All right. So uh, I guess, Kate, whenever you're ready, do you need like a beatbox? Do you need me to play some beatbox music in the background? What do you need? It'll only distract me. Okay. Ready? We have, we have we have to have like the eight mile beats that they play during the battle raps ready for this. Look, we need a lot of help with this segment, okay? But I don't want it to die. So I'm going to take it over this week. Maybe I'll inspire Matt for next week. And we'll get back on track. Maybe Max Caster will show us how to rap. Maybe we'll do, maybe we'll figure something out. Okay, ready? Yes. Kenny and Darby, they're the champs. You'll see them coming down the ramp. 
Then there's Orange Cassidy. He's the best, don't you see? Then there's Pac. He's a bastard. He's a wrestling. He's the master. Then there's Mox. He loves to brawl. He's the best of them all. Then there's Brian Cage with the FTW belts. He's going to lose it to Kenny Omega. And someone will get pelted. Then there's Hangman Adam Page. He's going to turn Kenny's page on the championship in like eight months. And that's the rap for right now. (laughs) Well, let me... Let me say this, Kate. You started off super strong until you got to Brian Cage and it the wheels fell off, but it had a lot of promise. You 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 did try to rhyme page with page, uh, which is a big no-no, I guess, in hip hop for me. So uh not bad, Kate. You hit all the points. Uh so uh, clearly, we have a uh, couple guys who are undefeated at the top two spots, Orange Cassidy and uh, Pac. Um, uh, clearly, uh, the big news, I guess, in the rankings from this week was because Cage, uh, I'm sorry, yes, Brian Cage. Sorry, I'm getting all my ages mixed up. Because Brian Cage beat Hangman Adam Page, that was the big shift this week. So Page, uh, you know, kind of came in. Uh, and uh, dropped uh, Hangman down to number five, and that caused Pack to leapfrog John Moxley to slide to number two, and this is where Orange Cassidy gets to number one. So, pretty interesting. A lot of movement there. We'll talk about the ranking ramifications when we get into uh, Dynamite, Blood and Guts. But uh, I don't know, Kate. That was pretty good. I think we should keep this. Train the moving. That was really good. You might have a new segment. Nope. (laughs) I think also you every week. You said you said three of those guys were the best at something, so it's getting a little lazy. But I'll give it to you. It's uh, it's what we call a cop out in the music world. (laughs) That's very true. Women's. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's wrap the women. Your champ is Sheeta. Who is she? No one knows. Where could she be? Then there's Britt, the DMD. Gonna dethrone Sheeta. Sounds good to me. Thonta Rosa. She kicks ass. She's coming for all the brass. Tay Conti kicks ass. I already rhymed ass for something else. <laughs> Nyla Rose. She is a beast. She's coming to Matt's Thanksgiving feast from two weeks ago. Red Velvet. Not in a rut. She is here to stir it up. Well, again, not bad, Kate. You fell off a little bit with the ass rhyming, but it was pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Also, I don't know if any uh, wrestler wants to go after the brass. Um, You know, just, just keep that in mind. I don't think anybody is, if they're going for a championship, I don't think anybody's ever like, I'll take the brass one. I know in my head I was like she's third which is bronze but I said brass and it didn't work but I had no I had very little notice (laughs) I think you're killing it Kate I think you are legit crushing it (laughs) yeah yeah you're doing really well with no notice and maybe that's the reason the segment works because the first week Matt did it no notice just right off the dome and then the pressure got to him 
I think you need to prepare less. I think that's what it is. Right? Maybe. Well, no changes with the women this week. Everything remained constant. We'll talk about the women when we get to blood and guts. Kate, you want to take us through the tag teams? (laughs) No, but I'm going to do it. Let's do it. (laughs) Ah, Your champs are the young bucks. It is clear they don't suck. Then there's SCU. If they lose, then they're through. Oh, I still, I'm, I'm, I'm circling back because that was Matt's rhyme. Then there's SCU, the Young Bucks. What will they do? Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy. He is here to make some noise. Then there's the Varsity Blonde. They are great. Their hair is long. Then there's the acclaimed. They're going to teach me how to rap someday. Then we've got FTR. We know that they're going to go far. I, I mean, that was that was pretty that was pretty good. I mean, I don't know. This is all the acclaimed. Segment. This is all for you, Kate. <laughs> oh, no, I don't want this segment. I don't even like the rankings. <laughs> I think it's only fair it rotates. I think Ant to kill it next week. No, it's definitely not happening. I'm just going to talk through these rankings. This is this is the two of your game. I wasn't pushing somebody for this, Kate. I just said, if you want to do it, feel free to do it. Uh, so this is your doing. Uh, I, this will not be thrust upon me. I refuse to do it. Boo. Nobody else gets dressed up. Nobody else will commit to segments. Listen, I don't just have face paint at the ready. Uh, or mini cowboy hats. I I refuse to believe that you don't have a Kangol hat and a dangly earring at home. I refuse to believe it. I don't have a dangly. Uh, I've got these holes in my ear, uh, and uh, I might have to get a dangly. We'll talk about the fashion choices in a a couple seconds here, but just the... Fashion show at lunch. uh... (laughs) I just need to know... In, is Kate's rap as good as this? Wow, this audio is shitty. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was, hear it. That was terrible. It was. It's too... the women of wrestling, right? Yeah. We gotta. I wanna. We gotta wrestle rap. I thought for sure you were gonna pull up the Macho Man album. <laughs> After the hit job they did this weekend? No. Oh, here we go. This is Ken Rednick, and I'm here to say we've got the greatest wrestlers in the AWA. But you're not here to listen to me mumble. Let's fill you in on the Wrestle Rock Rumble. Get on! Wrestle Rock, be there. With the Midnight Rockers, Sean and Marty. We love to wrestle, and we love to party. You don't have to work. We're not gonna bumble, because we'll, we'll be shaking through the Wrestle Rock Rumble. Ow! Wrestle Rock. I'm the Sheik, and that's not funny. I got my army a lot of money. If Ganya in my way, I make him crumble. He be sorry. I did the Wrestle Rock rumble. Wrestle Rock, be there. This is. I'm Jerry Blackwell. I want the Sheik. I want to get my hands on that pencil neck geek. As I watch the EDF fumble, I'm gonna make my splash in the Wrestle Rock rumble. Okay. Okay. Okay, so if you're not, uh, can I say this? <laughs> just go, can I just okay, 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 okay? I just want to say this: we need to 
bring back pencil neck geek. That is uh, an insult that's gone too far away from the mainstream. I, I love believe, it. I believe Maxwell used it at one point. I forget who out. The reason I stopped it, right? That was Jerry Blackwell, the crusher. Okay. Mm-hmm. He cuts his rap. Then he does something I did when I was a backyard wrestler. Uh, he had like a two, like a plank of wood set up between two chairs, and he just jumped through the wood to demonstrate that he could do a splash. I don't know what is going on. Wrestle Rock Rumble 1986 music video. Look it up on YouTube. Me and Kate have a lot, to, a lot of hype to live up to because that is the finest wrestling rap out there. You guys, you guys definitely surpassed that in my book. I mean, you've got Cena and Max Caster to worry about. It's true. I ain't worried about Maybe we'll get them. some pointers. Uh-oh. What? Just give me some You're time. Worried about- Look, if I got to work, it's hard for me to sit down and write my rhymes, bro. Today I had to go to, we had breakfast. I went for breakfast this morning. I had to go buy a bush. All right, I had a very busy morning before work. Oh, I can't believe you had to buy a bush and now we're not sponsored by Manscaped right now. <laughs> That hurts. It was a perfect tie-in. Yeah. There was a lot of uh, bush talk tonight on the commercial breaks for for <laughs> blood and guts. I'll tell you that much. There was a lot of pube shaving talk tonight in the commercials. Now, My goodness. Let me ask you a question uh, before we get an AEW Dynamite here, blood and guts tonight. How pumped up for, for this episode of AEW Dynamite were you guys? Like on a level of 1 to 10. I was... I was pretty high. I'd say I was like right around eight or nine. Like I really was looking forward to this, to this. The hype around the blood or guts was real. I'm sorry, blood and guts, not blood or guts. We were getting blood and guts. Um, that's right. Um, I will say this. It was a little bittersweet. And I think you guys might agree. It was bittersweet because I was glad we finally got blood and guts but I was a little sad because we were supposed to fucking get blood and guts a year ago. I mean, clearly shit went to, you know, hell uh, in the world. So like, you can't really, uh, you can't really fault that, but man, you guys, I think I told you, uh, I don't know if I ever said on the show, but last January, Super Bowl weekend, I went, before everything went down, I went to Disney World with the boy and my wife and my mother-in-law. And coming back, I had my Macho Man jacket, uh, my my chalk line. And somebody in the airport uh, was like, hey, cool jacket. And I was like, oh, thanks. And then I kind of looked and this guy had an AEW hat on. And I was like, hey, man, like, I, you know, I'm a fan of AEW. Like, do you watch it? And the guy was like, uh, yeah, I actually work for them. And he was a guy who like helped with the ring setup and building their, their ring and stuff like that. And I didn't get a name or I forget his name, but he was like, are you going to the show in Newark? And I was like, yeah, he was like, you're going to shit when they announce what they've got planned for Newark. And you should come see me, you know, at the show. Like if you've got seats, I'll be around the ring. You should come find me. And that was the plan. And when they announced it, we were all like so fucking jazzed. And so it was just bittersweet getting it tonight. But um, I was really excited about it. That was just kind of a side note. Sorry, it took us way off the rails on that one. 
but I was excited about this. Really, it was blood and guts driving that for me. The other matches were just kind of like extra for me. So, um, yeah, I, I was pretty jacked up. Uh, Kate, how did you feel? Um, so would I have loved to have seen it in person? Absolutely. Is seeing steel cage matches in person a little bit like watching a live event through lattice work? Also, yes. So whilst I would have loved it, I wasn't as heartbroken, I think, because I also have full confidence that when they come to Newark, they'll play something insane to replace it. But, um, I was very excited partly because they've won my trust so many times with stuff like this, right? Like when they did winter is coming, obviously, like we had the impact crossover and sting revealed to us when they did the lights out match for the St. Patrick's day slam or whatever. Like that was the best match in AEW women's history. So whenever they do one of these things, which I feel like is really smart compared, especially to other products that are out there across the board. I'm not just even talking about WWE, but they have this ability to just turn stuff up and make it feel like a pay-per-view even when it's not a pay-per-view rather than reverse engineering that, right? Rather than saying we have a pay-per-view every month and this is how the program is going to go. They can kind of just crank it up the other way, which is super exciting. Now, I was probably somewhere around a seven because I always try to be cautiously optimistic because one of these days we're going to get let down by one of these things, I think. So I was probably around a seven. I also watched NXT from yesterday and that was a pay-per-view quality NXT. So I was also just like in love with the fact that I get both of these shows on separate nights and we basically got pay-per-view quality free tv back to back for two nights so um very hyped but still like leaving the door open to not to feel disappointed by it but just to feel like maybe it just is gonna feel like another aw dynamite with the cool ending or whatever like just leaving room for disappointment i guess what about you uh i was at like an eight or nine like this is um you know something just this type of match with this storyline, like it's perfect. Yes. To Anthony's point, it's bittersweet because we should have been here for this. But again, I don't think it would have been this. I think it would have been the elite against, uh, inner circle, the inner circle. Yeah. Uh, I think there's, there was a little, I think it worked out to AEW's advantage. There's a little more meat on the bone with this. And I think you get to see, uh, a couple other, pe- you know, the guys from the inner circle shine and, you know, Wardlow shine. You could see Santana and Ortiz shine. Excuse me, Sammy, Sean Spears, who doesn't get the credit he deserves. Uh, all these guys got a chance. We're, you know, we're given the opportunity to shine tonight. Uh, and before I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but I think they did. And, and obviously we're going to talk about blood and guts. But I think uh, I just want to gauge everybody's interest because I was super excited for this. And uh yeah, I was, you know, it's a, it's Cody's Cody's father. This is his this is his match. So, they weren't going to do it a disservice. And we can get into that too, uh the ending of the show and and the shit that people bitch about is unfucking believable. But let's talk about Dynamite first, shall we? Yeah, let's let's get into the night. So, just before we actually get into the show, just a couple things here and that I don't think a lot of people were quite aware of. Uh, that this show was half pre-taped. So the first half of the show that we actually got tonight was pre-taped earlier in the day or yesterday or something like that. I don't have an exact time. But uh, the the 
four of the opening matches were pre-taped. The live crowd was not there for them. Uh, and it's also unclear whether the live crowd knew that it was going to be set up that way. I saw reports online that said for the first, you know, however many minutes of the show, if fans were not aware or unhappy with the fact that basically they were going to see an hour of pre-taped matches on the big screens that they would have been able to get a refund and kind of leave. So that's just an aside uh, for those who were not aware. Personally, I didn't think it really took away from the show. It seemed seamless um, and everything seemed to work out the way they needed it to work out. Um, So that was just kind of a side note uh, for those who were not aware, but getting into the show, um, we lead off with Eddie Kingston and John Moxley versus Kenny Omega and Michael Nakazawa. So as yes, I'm sorry. I just want to point this out before we get into this match. And I don't ever remember seeing this, but prior to the show starting, there was a parental advisory warning and I don't think we've gotten one of those yet. That's right. I'm sorry, Matt. I did actually mean to mention that. Uh, Yes, they did give us a parental advisory saying that there was going to be, you know, violent content or something like that. Um, That's not suitable for all viewers. This is the first time I recall seeing that. Uh, I think clearly knowing that the what they were putting on TV, the blood and guts match that they had to probably do something like that. Um, But I don't you know, I think it definitely helped hype up what we were going to see for the night. Uh, yes, Kate. I think there's uh, like rules about that. So if it's not on pay-per-view and you're getting like an anticipated amount of blood for a certain amount of time, you actually like are, if not required, it's like supposed to be, I think pretty much automatic protocol that you put up one of those advisories. Not like if one person blades for a little bit, but if you're having a bloodbath at the end of it, not even like the, the parking lot brawl that we saw that wasn't that bloody but like there's a thing where if you're gonna have that much blood on screen for that much time they do ask you to do it so i'm not surprised that they got tagged with uh, <laughs> one of those but honestly as a viewer i was like oh fuck yeah this is gonna be sick <laughs> like it made me feel like oh right this isn't for kids this is for me motherfuckers let's go like it actually got me kind of more hyped <laughs> right and this is you know it's called blood and guts and you know, I know it's professional wrestling, but the sense of realism, like these guys are going to be in a cage. You're going to be throwing each other in a new cage. You're going to be hitting each other with steel chairs and shit. Like if you do that to somebody, they're going to fucking bleed. Yeah. Right. Right. Like it's not like fucking the WWE and the PG era where they did the hell in the cell at Nork and they had three hell in the cell matches and not one person bled. And I get it. You know, there's not, you shouldn't have bloodletting in professional wrestling, but uh, if you're telling a story, and it makes sense, like, you're putting them in a cage. Let's fucking at least sell me. Even if they, even if you Gino Caruso yourself and the blood packet sticks to your forehead, at least you're trying. I'll give you credit there. This was awesome. This fucking parental advisory, I love it. Yeah, I, I, like Kate said, clearly knowing what was coming and what there was going to be, they, they had to show it, but I think it actually helped hype up this show for sure like kate said the minute you see a parental advisory like oh fuck yes like we're in for a good night um so once we get past that we start the show and we get into eddie kingston and john moxley versus kenny omega and michael nakazawa and as um uh kenny omega's music hits uh don Callis and nakazawa come out 
and Callus basically gets on the mic uh, and saying that, um, you know, he, he's talking about Nakazawa being, you know, part of this great lineage of Japanese pro wrestlers uh, and admits that Kenny Omega isn't there tonight and that Nakazawa was going to wrestle alone. Um, so Moxley and Eddie start to make their entrance from you know, the side door. And what do you know? Kenny Omega is there, jumps the railing and makes the attack early on. And now we get into the match. So the referee for this match was Paul Turner. Um, the bell rings and now we're starting, you know, to get into the action. Uh, a couple things during this match. Again, we're seeing the inconsistencies from referee to referee. Like Kenny Omega was clearly in the ring longer than a five count and Paul Turner was actually counting above five uh, at one point and wasn't really getting anybody out of the ring commentary. Even Jr. said, is this a Texas tornado style match? And everybody said, no, it's, it's a regular tag match. Uh, so, you know, there was some kind of loss of control there, but things do eventually get back on track. Uh, and as we get through this match, um, you know, uh, Omega is going back and forth, uh, you know, uh, towards the end. Um, at one point, uh, Kenny actually, uh, you know, says, I'm through with this. Um, you know, Mox has Nakazawa up. Kenny basically says, I'm going, uh, I'm going to the back. And uh, we get the win from Eddie Kingston and John Moxley by pinfall um, on Michael Nakazawa. So, that's the match. And then post-match, the Young Bucks and the Good Brothers come out uh, to put the hit on Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Uh, they lay out Moxley with a super kick. Kenny Omega comes down with Brandon Cutler, so he makes his return. Brandon is uh, filming this whole thing. Uh, and they get uh, Kenny, uh, or I'm sorry, they get Eddie up on Kenny's shoulders for a one-winged angel. He pretends to cover Eddie for three just to add some insult to injury there. And that's the end. We go to a break as commentary hypes up the card for the night. So um, post-match antics, my favorite part was the uh, the fashion show, as Kate will certainly want to talk about when we get into it. But um, let's talk about how we felt, uh, how we felt about this opening. Um, you know, do you guys see a clear path of what's going on here? There's a lot of stuff going on here. There's kind of Kenny's got issues with, you know, Moxley and Eddie. Now the Bucks have an issue with Moxley and Eddie. I don't know who's got issues with, I mean, I know who's got issues with who, but there's just a lot of kind of muddiness here for me. Um, I don't really know where we're going. Um, so uh, I don't know, whoever wants to kind of jump in here. What'd you think about this and the story that's going on? And then Kate, we'll also get your fashion talk. I'll, I'll jump in to talk about the match. The Okay, first of all, Ryan Schlong with his little impression of me last week about Eddie Kingston. I didn't appreciate, except that I did. And I'm going to say basically verbatim what he said last week about this week. I just, I love this guy. Like, I just, all those little things. I, I felt very torn on the match because like you just said, Paul Turner like took me out of it. And commentary took me out of it by not knowing what the fuck the rules were of the match that they're commentating. Like, it's very frustrating to have not just inconsistency, but gaps between rules. And like, if my whole thing is you're getting me to buy into this universe, you got to play by your own rules. Eddie Kingston, 
all these little things. Like there was just a moment where he was on the ropes and he had one held open and he's like looking at Turner and looking at Mox and he's like, you basically saw him be like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Like his every single moment is like completely engrossed in storytelling with him. Same with Mox. Um, so I thought this was good. I, I guess maybe we're going to get a tag match between the two of them and the Bucks at double or nothing, maybe. Um, or maybe we're getting Omega versus Kingston, which would be awesome. Uh, there is muddiness, and it seems like whether Eddie's a king or a face, a king or a face, wow. Heel or a face, Kingston, it's heel or a face. He always seems to have issues going on with everyone, which is something that I actually really appreciate about him. Like, it feels very attitude era to me to have, like, problems across the board um but this is like this whole angle is getting to the point where the bucks don't need the titles to execute it and i think matt said that a couple weeks ago that like you don't need the titles for what is unfolding here and i have theories about how how this might turn out later but um i think the bucks aren't gonna drop yet so i think them facing eddie and mox might be a good move at double or nothing um because it's it's kind of inconsequential. We know these guys are going to be single stars, not a tag team probably moving forward, but this is a really fun program. So my guess is that's where that's going. But I'm with you with these referees, man. Between, I said on Twitter that Rick Knox is the like Angel Hernandez of wrestling referees, like just terrible at what he does. And now we see it with Paul Turner in this opening, counting past five, like, what are we doing? And for commentary to be as confused as the viewer is atrocious. So um, other than that, like the Bucks are the Bucks. You guys know how I feel about both Mox and Eddie as far as in-ring stuff. So I didn't have a problem with any of that. But like for an opener and I'm fucking jazzed going into it to have the refereeing of all things be the shit that takes me out of it is really fucking annoying, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, if if what Anthony said was true, that this was, pre, this was pre-taped, why why is the you know why is commentary like why are we not retaping this why are we not uh dubbing you know doing commentary for this why are we not watching this back like i i get it it's a frustrating it's frustrating you know as a fan you want to buy in and something uh like as, as simple as paul turner counting past five and then nobody knowing what the fuck is going on takes you out of the moment um so that sucked uh, the match itself is fine. I, I think we're. Here's my problem with with the elite now. Because I'm uh, keeping up with Impact too, so there's 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 so much going on here, and it I it's can it's muddy, you know. Kenny is going to be at impact under siege he's going to face the winner of uh he's going to be in a six-man tag match with the good brothers against finn juice and and eddie edwards right but then uh, they, yeah i think that's right and then it looks like they're setting up possibly sammy callahan against kenny omega at slammiversary the good brothers are feuding with finn juice uh the good brothers aren't doing anything on dynamite they're just kind of there uh, I don't know if they're on being the elite because I stopped watching that because I don't think they're funny um, at all. Um, I like Kenny Omega, Michael Nakazawa. I think it's funny how Nakazawa uh, is like their whipping boy. I don't know what the Bucks are doing. Um, you know, we had this, we have this match tonight to to declare who 
I guess, get the title. I don't even know. Um, you know, Moxley and Kingston, the story is beautiful coming off of um, – it was Revolution, right? Yeah, Revolution, right? Yep, yep. Wow. Um, coming out of Revolution, the story is beautiful, but uh, to, to Kate's point, they're not a tag team. You know, so I, I don't know. I don't know, you know, I don't know what the payoff is here. And we find out later tonight who who's, you know, we're going to get a number one contender for Kenny at Double or Nothing, and it is none of the people involved in this. So I don't know. And maybe that's the beauty of it. I don't know the end game. Maybe there's surprises. Maybe the elite forming and being, like, just super, the super group is all to lead into a New Japan thing. But even that's super muddy because they went into a state of emergency in Japan and then six dudes came in contact with somebody who had COVID in new Japan. Uh, two wrestlers got COVID and they changed around the whole wrestling Dantaku night too. So obviously we're not out of the water with this COVID situation. So it's, are we going to let the elite do this for the next, I don't know, let's say six months you know, until maybe the world gets back to some sense of normalcy and then they are on a collision course with the Bullet Club. I don't know. Like Moxley's got Nagata next week. That doesn't factor into this story. Uh, And everything doesn't necessarily have to connect the dots. You could have a lot of spoons and porridge and you could have a lot of uh, stories cross their lines, path their paths cross at certain points. But this... Uh, I'm with you guys. It's very. Mu- I don't. I just don't understand. Like, what's the payoff here? Uh, I do. Yeah, just, King- uh, I wanted to say that I watched last week's episode of Dynamite right before this, and Kenny Omega saying you have to go through Michael Nakazawa fucking killed me. <laughs> it was just so well done. Um, yeah, I'm guessing it's gonna be if that was later in the show that's for double or nothing it was stipulated orange cassidy and kenny omega for double or nothing or is that well we we get to that later nothing was mentioned here they did announce that there was going to be an announcement for double or nothing later and we'll talk about it i do feel like the demise of team taz after last week's episode is going to be that cage is going to lose the ftw belt to kenny so kenny adds another one to him and maybe Team Taz breaks up over that. So I thought with Cage climbing up our rankings that I wrapped about beautifully, <laughs> um, that maybe that was going to be your double or nothing situation. Maybe that's before or after it. But um, I'm, I'm with you. This feels a little stuck in the mud, but I trust them enough to get us out of that mud because this is, I don't think that they have something this complex that they don't have a plan for. Like this is just too too big of a thing with too much of your star talent to not have some incredible payoff for it at some point. Um, so maybe they, they dropped to the good brothers. I, my theory was they dropped to the good brothers. Good brothers are champion. Cody turns heel. And then we have an elite versus dark order with Adam page buying into them situation. So you have like a heel Cody and Adam page do dual situation going on. Um, but I don't know if there's, it feels muddy, but part of the reason it feels muddy is because there's 9 million ways that this can go. So I'm going to trust that they're going to find one that's really exciting. I think all of those conspiracy theories, Kate, are far-fetched, but we can get there. 
I just don't like with the way certain things are playing out. Like I don't see some of that stuff happening, but we could talk about it for sure. Um, but yeah, I just uh, I, I'm with you guys here. I think there's just a lot of cloudiness to this whole storyline that we're going to have to split things up at some point and figure out a path to what we're trying to do. Um, beyond that, Kate, uh, there was some incredible fashion uh, happening on this uh, run in from the bucks and the good brothers uh what did you enjoy about the fashion show we saw tonight oh my gosh what didn't i enjoy i mean i could take up the rest of the episode with the fashion talk but we saw a conch shell necklace we saw we've seen kangle hats with danglies we saw outfits that this commentary did a great job of said looked like their mother's curtain or like a shower curtain that was phenomenal very um floridian just just fantastic and like I had said before, what I appreciate about like this heel stable is it's so different from the pinnacle. So you have these two monster stables with like, you know, mid and upper card talent, but they're so, so different. But I mean, just since the, we saw those loafers and that initial dangly earring, earring with the, the head jewels from the Jacksons, they've just been kicking it up and up and up every week. I feel like the, the conch shell necklace really stole my heart this week for it. So as long as they continue this Costco Shawn Michaels fashion, I'm I'm all for it. <laughs> now, Matt, I posed this in the Discord uh, because Matt Jackson, as Kate said, had on what commentary called somebody's uh, shower curtain with this uh, floral pattern uh, shorts and shirt, uh, you know, combo. Mrs. Money said she thinks I could pull that look off. I didn't have faith in it. Kate says she thinks I could pull it off. What do you, what say you, Matt? Do you think I could pull that look off? Absolutely. hundred percent. You're a baller, bro. There it is. I think I'm going to have to try to find that set. I think I'm going to have to. Now I said to Gina, well, I said to Mrs. Money, I'm trying not to use her shoot name here. I said to Mrs. Money, um, you know, you, you, Tell me I could pull that off, but you have issue with my Bret Hart matching jacket and shorts? Like, what's the deal? And she said, well, that's a little nerdy. And I was like, but the floral pattern and the puka shell? You're cool with that? <laughs> so, I, I listen, I think I'm going to have to try it. I think I'm going to have to try it. You, uh, you should probably start talking to your lady about what kind of dreams she's having. If she's having a lot of Jimmy Buffett dreams, then... I think you're good to go, bro. I think she's into it. Um, or she just wants you to look ridiculous. But I think you could pull it off. I think so. All right. We'll we'll try. We'll see. I'll have to go to have to go to Burlington Coat Factory and see what I can pull together. I've had some side note, I've had some regrets in my life on not buying outwear at Burlington Coat Factory that I 100% should have. I'm talking a jacket with gold bars all over it. I could pull, I, I, I regret every day that I did not buy that jacket. It would have been fire. Yeah, but anyway, I got to get a dangly earring. I got to get a puka shell. I got to get a floral print matching set. And you can gold too. Yeah, because that just makes me think of Date Mike from the office. Nice yeah. to meet you. Huh. Date might nice to meet me. Uh, 
<laughs> All right, guys, moving on. Um, the second match we get in the night. Oh, sorry. I want to jump back real quick, Matt, to one point you said about commentary. Why didn't, wouldn't we go back if this was pre-taped and basically recut it? That's one thing I'm not clear on. I'm not clear on if commentary was actually calling it live to tape, uh, or if the commentary was pre-taped. Um, I suppose if maybe they were calling it live to tape, um, maybe that's why they wouldn't, they would have not recut it i have no idea um i think the reason i because they were piping in the crowd noise so they might have been trying to get like the same energy from a live crowd with taped content because i guess everybody was being cued live to like cheer at these things (laughs) yeah i don't what makes me think that they uh were calling it live to tape was the fact that they said you know they had the live logo on screen the whole time like so they had to have some sort of live element there but either way uh moving forward in the night uh we got cody Rhodes versus qt marshall next on the card um you know i think we got everything we thought we were going to get here uh you know cody Rhodes and qt were going at it pretty hard you know there's clearly the issue here between the factory uh and the nightmare family um you know a couple false finishes here, uh, Cody Rhodes. And there was a pretty decent spot where uh, they were going back and forth kind of on who was going to hit a tombstone pile driver uh, where they were kind of flipping it, uh, you know, back and forth. Cody eventually hits the tombstone on QT, but he kicks out. Um, uh, and then eventually Cody Rhodes does get a win by submission with the figure four leg lock. So he did get QT to tap out. I think this was going back to their exhibition where he said he wouldn't cinch it in and, you know, hurt him. So now he was clearly cinching it in and trying to get him to tap uh, post-match. We get Anthony Agogo coming out to the ring and he lays Cody out with that uh, body shot that he's been dropping everybody with. And then he uh, drapes Cody with the British flag. And that's how we get, this left for the night uh so um matt what did you think about this match uh the anthony agogo thing that we seem to be setting up between cody and him uh what are your thoughts i on paper hated this match i was like great qt marshall but to go back to my stable point before uh, I know this is his stable. I know he is the leader of the factory, but I like the idea that he's the guy that eats the pins because it's more about, like, QT Marshall is QT Marshall. QT Marshall's never going to be a main eventer. Um, you can't build a company around QT Marshall, and that's not saying he's not bad. It's just he's QT Marshall. He's been around the block for a while. Uh, he's a great hand. But he's at that point where I think he's going. They're going to use his status to help elevate this young team, and it's a lot of really green people. Anthony Agogo was a boxer. He's not really a wrestler. Nick Camarado has the look, and he a hundred percent could be a fucking superstar. Uh, he just needs to learn. And uh, I kind of think Aaron Solo could be like uh, I don't know, under the radar, like Sammy Guevara type character. Um, so I loved. The outcome was inevitable. I knew Cody was going to win. The match was good. I love the tombstone spot. Anthony Agogo coming out afterwards was awesome, and him draping him in the flag, uh, fantastic. Do we see some weird, like, Anthony Agogo-Cody Rhodes flag match? Like, are we going real old-school 80s? Like, I'm very excited for it. And I like that 
this Anthony Gogo kid gets the rub because he's a Olympic boxer. He's got a pedigree. They could really build him up. Um, I'm sure maybe not so much in the States like we understand it, but maybe this gets the AEW a ton of press in the UK. I don't know how big of a boxer he is because I don't follow the sport, but uh, I'm good with this. Kate the Great. Um, I Here's what I liked about it. Cody Rhodes is an awesome storyteller. And QT Marshall, I think, is actually a really good wrestler. Um, and I like that talent is being used the appropriate way where older guys are putting over the next generation and helping them grow like a wrestling company should. Everything that went right about fashion in the first segment went wrong here for me with Gogo. He looked like he was from Newsies or some 1900s like typewriter salesman. I don't like it. I also understand why the booking was the way it was. I was hoping that they would maybe have an upset here because it's hard for me to buy into the fact that like these young kids are going to follow around this loser who loses rather than one of the EVPs of the company who has a wrestling school. Like he's the one that founded it. Right. So like, I just don't like it because you can only have so many losses before these kids look like idiots for following the guy that keeps losing instead of the guy that's going to win. <laughs> like, so I get it. I understand the booking, but like Cody's not really doing a ton right now. His baby's going to show up. He could have very easily taken a loss here. I would have been surprised by that outcome. And it would have made sense that these kids are clinging on to the person that actually beat the guy where before I'm like, now why are you clinging to this guy? Who's going to fucking lose? So um, I get it. I wasn't surprised by it. The match was pretty good to me. Like they they can both go and, and Cody is just a great storyteller. I felt like he really brought through the story. Like you said about not cinching everything into really locking it in this time. Um, but I just, this was fine for me. Uh, I I'm starting to really like a go-go just going around punching everyone where I didn't really like it in his debut. Now I'm starting to love it where he's just like, boom, you're gone. Um, and I understand the intent of it. I was I was just hoping to be presently surprised by a different booking decision here. Well, I think you're gonna. I think the story will be when one of these guys beats Cody. That's fair, he's but not, I'm also like realistically, he's probably gonna go away soon because Brandy seems like she's like nine thousand months right. pregnant, and that's so. a good way. So he loses to, you know, Anthony Agogo, and they can sell some injury. He got his fucking kidney exploded or some bullshit. And then he could be off TV for like four weeks and then come back to a hero's welcome and be in the main event because, you know, that's what we do with or, Cody. Or come back as a heel, join the elite. I still think that's a stretch. Um, a fun one. <laughs> sure. I, I, Kate, to your point about a go-go's look, I think it's a very British look. Um, so that could be why he looked like a newsie or a typewriter salesman uh, it, in a turn of the century. It was too British. Nobody in Britain dresses like that British. <laughs> I think that's the fun of it, though. Like, no, this, I don't, this guy's so fucking obnoxious, he's going to dress like this? Are you serious? No, not when you're telling me he's this guy that can drop everybody with one punch and he's got that's... a fucking suspenders on? Get out of town and take a bus. Why? No, no. He dresses like that because he wants somebody to say something so he can knock them the fuck out. No, he yes. dresses like that because he made some bad decisions on what to wear, and he should have consulted 
Matt and Nick Jackson beforehand. No, definitely not. Matt and Nick Jackson look like a bunch of fucking tool bags. Yeah, and he's supposed hey. to look like a dude who who you want to make fun of for wearing suspenders, and then when he puts your teeth fucking three blocks away from you, you go, he's oh, maybe I shouldn't have talked shit to this dude. He's too new and young for that. He's too unestablished. I didn't like it. I didn't like the fashion here. Didn't like the fashion and love the booking. <laughs> well, we are. it does look like we're leading to Anthony Agogo getting into an issue with uh, Cody Rhodes, so it's going to be interesting to see where that goes. Uh, moving on from this. Uh, con- oh, my God. Don't try to steal Ryan Schlong's amazing pun. weeks. Doesn't matter. Um, moving on from this, commentary recaps uh, what happened in last week's TNT Championship match uh, after uh, the match ended, uh, where all ego Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky uh, attacked Sting and Darby Allen uh, in the ring. So uh, we have an interview uh, up in the rafters where they hang out. Uh, and Sky does sort of like a Riddler from Batman thing uh, and asks, you know, like, uh, he says that Sting is really nothing more than a mosquito uh, feeding off the blood of AEW. And you know what happens to mosquitoes? We kill them. So he uh, he calls Steve by his uh, government name. He says, listen, Steve, uh, showtime's over. And Sky is the franchise now, bitch. Uh, and uh, then uh, Ethan Page uh, starts to remind Darby Allen of their history, uh, but says he doesn't need to talk about a bunch of matches that nobody saw, which I'm pretty sure a bunch of people saw. Um, and then says, uh, you know, uh, Darby's medical history, that dent in his forehead uh, and the metal in his elbow, that's all from all ego. Uh, and then Darby Allen basically attacks uh, them uh, and they start to brawl. Uh, at one point, uh, Darby throws uh scorpio sky into some garbage cans i thought it looked like he was going to throw him over the ledge of that balcony i was very scared uh but he threw them he threw him into some garbage cans uh he attacks ethan page uh he actually climbs up onto a ladder and does a coffin drop onto ethan page uh which i thought was a pretty cool little spot uh and then all of a sudden uh darby gets uh attacked the heels start to get the better of him uh and they grind Darby's face into the spiked uh, shoes that uh, Scorpio Sky is wearing. Great fashion choice in my case, uh, in my book, Kate. That's a great heel shoe. Uh, and then they wind up throwing Darby Allen uh, down the concrete stairs. Actually, Ethan Page specifically uh, throws Darby Allen down the concrete stairs. It looked vicious. Uh, what a spot. Uh, and then the medics basically rush up to check on Darby Allen and we go to a break. Um, so guys, uh, I was just like, holy shit at that stair spot. Uh, I don't know why anybody would agree to do that. Um, but it's Darby Allen. So I guess we shouldn't be surprised. Um, I thought that this was possibly a way to get him out of matches until double or nothing where we would surely get Ethan page, versus Darby Allen for that title. We'll talk a little bit about what's coming next, but listen, I like this segment. I thought it did exactly what it needed to do to advance the story happening here. Um, so uh, Matt, what did you think about this whole thing? Um, and especially that, that stair spot, which was super dangerous. Uh, I liked it. 
I liked everything up until the stair spot. This isn't a wrestling match. It's a promo. It's a backstage segment. God forbid he gets fucking hurt throwing like. I don't want to sound like an old timer here, right? But you only your bump card only has so much on it, and that's meant for in the ring. And this is not the most reckless thing Darby Allen has done. I've seen I've seen the match with Ethan Page. I saw the thing where he got to put the he had to put it get his arm you know the fucking metal plate in his arm because he was him and Ethan Page did a spot in Evolve where he was in a fucking body bag and he fucking threw him outside the ring into like a wall and obviously you can't see when you're in a fucking body bag it wasn't a gimmick body bag uh, and Darby fucked his elbow up um, for the safety of Darby I get it he's fucking Darby Allen he's a skateboard dude whatever uh, but like that you'd you'd really fuck yourself and the company up if god for like there's no way like you can't gimmick that it's not like the jericho fall at the end of blood and guts like he legit just fucking was thrown down a flight of concrete stairs i don't know why we're why are we okaying this he's your tnt champion what are you doing if he gets fucking hurt then what yeah it it definitely (laughs) It was hard to tell if he was selling there at the end. I mean, props to to him if he is not hurt. He was grabbing his arm in a few places. He was definitely selling it, but that could not have felt good. I mean, no. you save did, that he, save that shit for the ring. Save it for a big match. I get you're trying to tell a story. You could have done that without the stairs. Agreed, hundred percent. So I uh, everything before. The stairs I thought was fantastic. When I watched the stair spot back, it looked a lot less scary. Like a lot. He was actually walking down the stairs very quickly for most of them. The landing, he had both of his wrists down. Like comfortably, it looked like. So it looked like it was okay. Um, And this was taped. So if it wasn't okay, we would have heard about it, right? But I'm with you and that like it's a lot of risk for not a ton of reward and the way he was selling made me think he was for real injured the way that medical tended to him made me think he was for real injured the look on ethan page's face when they shot the camera back up to him looked like he had just shit his pants because he thought he really had just injured someone so it seems like he's okay. We would have heard about it if not, because it was pre-taped and now we're at the end of the show and there's nothing on Twitter about it from what I saw. But like, and uh, you know, maybe there are ways to plan this stuff safely. Maybe there is like stunt work that we just didn't see, but I'm with you and that like, I get that he's a maniac, but like, A, it's fucking dangerous. And B, if he's going to do it literally all the time, even in promos, it does kind of start to lose like a little bit of shock effect. Cause now I know it's going to come all the time. Every time he's on my screen. Right. So, um, I also want you to save it so that it feels special every time. I don't think it'll ever feel not shocking because it's always insane. But like, if you're not contrasting that against something normal, a, you become kind of one note and B, like I know what to expect every time you're on my screen. Like I like it when he does cool vignettes and stuff. Um, but I, yeah, this that spot was one of those ones where my heart was firmly in my throat. <laughs> but I'm glad it seems like he's okay. And the rest of it was great. And yes, those heel kicks were a great fashion choice. And thank you for bringing them up. 
No problem. That's what I'm here for. Fashion tips. Um, so once we get back from the break, we get uh, Dr. Britt Baker with uh, Reba versus uh, Julia Hart. Uh, and uh, it was uh, just what we thought it was going to be. Uh, it was a squash match, uh, squash match uh, where Britt Baker uh, hits an air raid crash. She pulls up the pin and then decides to put in the lockjaw and gets the submission uh, pretty quick squash match. They make, you know, comment uh, about the fact that uh, Britt Baker is the number one contender. We do find out earlier in the night, but we'll mention it here that Britt Baker is going to get her title shot against Sheeta at double or nothing because she is the number one contender. And I think I speak for all of us when we say we're very excited for that match and the prospect that Britt Baker will take this God damned belt off Sheeta. My God. Uh, so I don't know if you guys want to talk about this match at all. It was pretty quick. You know, I don't have anything to mention, but if you want to talk about the upcoming title shot, we can definitely talk about that. Kate, you have anything you want to mention specifically? Yeah, two comments. One, I wish they had given, even though it was a squash, I wish they gave this to like Danny Jordan or one of the dark talents and stuff, just someone we've never seen before. Like those people don't need to look strong. They can get squashed by Brit. Um, but I just feel like it would be a nicer way to reward them. <laughs> and the other thing is why the fuck wasn't the Sheeta? <laughs> like why? Why is she like now I'm actually starting to wonder if something is medically up, like if she had COVID and is having cardio issues, like because the time she has been on TV has been mostly in tag matches and trios. And the last time she had a singles match on television was the tournament on March 7th. So now I'm starting to wonder like if something is actually medically up because it's like getting weird at this point. But if you're going to have someone go squash someone, why the fuck isn't it your champion? Like it just. Didn't well, she wrestle well, she... Tay like two weeks ago? Yeah, that, that was what I was going to say. She did wrestle Tay, but I do agree with you, Kate. Like, I, I, I agree with you. Boggles the mind. <laughs> yeah, it it's it's certainly something where she should be wrestling more singles matches because she's your champion, right? And I feel like the heel thing to do is to avoid singles matches. Um, you know, to you know, not you know, uh have the chance to lose or you know, lose your belt or be in an eliminator kind of match. But yeah, I just don't understand. I mean, I get why it was Brit tonight because they announced that she was going to get her title shot. So they wanted to put her on TV, you know, give her a squash, make her look uh, strong. You know, she is your champion. So I guess she's already strong. I mean, that's my only thought. Maybe we'll get Sheeta never next week, but who the fuck knows? Never come out in her fucking white suit and say something like the fact that she's just absent is startling to me. I don't like, I don't five inner circle meetings a day. Like, what are we doing? I don't think people care about Cheetah. And I think people change the channel when they see her. And people don't when Brit is on the screen. Brit's over as fuck. Um, you know, especially coming out of that Lights Out match, the fucking t-shirt. Like, she's hot as shit. Now, it's nobody's fault but their own. AEW, that is. That they didn't get Cheetah over. They didn't do Cheetah right. Um <laughs> You know, to, to, we've been harping on it for fucking months now. They don't put her on TV. They don't let her defend the title. It's not her fault. 
she is just outshined. Britt Baker, more people want to see Britt Baker. Her shitty antics, her pulling up the, this fucking girl tonight when she clearly had her beat with the air raid. The stuff with Reba, it's entertaining. She's got personality. People are drawn to her. And I think AEW is just kind of throwing the talent on Sheeta. It's not fair to Sheeta, but it is what it is. Let's get the fucking belt off of her and let's move on. So why not build the feud for just four sentences? Have them face to face in the ring or something. Like it just, it blows my mind. And the only other thing that I forgot to mention was that Britt is just unbelievable at finding the camera for stuff. Like unbelievable at it. Maybe one of the, the best in wrestling right now. She's incredible at facing the camera and finding it. Um, I noticed that several times in this very short match. She just always, always manages to lock in with it and, and sell the fuck out of whatever she's doing. So, but for her. I'm sure they'll, they'll set the feud up next week because that's announced as a title match now, a double or nothing. And she can come out and say some goofy shit and Britt will mock her and it will be awesome when Britt does whatever Britt does. And let's just get the belt off of Sheeta and, you know, maybe re- give, give re- Sheeta a reset, you know, give her, let her continue to not be on TV. I don't fucking know. Send her back to Japan. Let her wrestle a doll like Kenny Omega did. I don't know. Get her out of here. Done with her. Agreed. I think we're all on the same page. We are looking forward to the day where they get this belt off Sheeta and we move on. Um, we also, after this, we get a technique with Taz segment returning uh, where Taz breaks down basically Christian Cage's in-ring work since he's come back from his uh, seven-year layoff. Um, so, uh, you know, not too much here except, you know, I think another good segment where Taz basically walks you through, uh, you know, some of the, the work that Christian Cage has done, making it feel, give it a real sports feel. Uh, and then basically at the end says that it doesn't matter because uh, Team Taz is basically going to gonna do him in and lay him out for the next seven years or something to that effect. Um, you know, uh, I thought it was a good segment for what it was. And I'm gl- I, I like these segments when they used to do them a little more regularly. Uh, so I didn't have a problem with this. Uh, uh, Matt, you're a Tazmark. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not a Tazmark. I fucking hate Taz. Let's just get that out. All right. Uh, Sabu was my guy. Sabu versus Taz. I was so upset at Barely Legal when fucking Taz beat Sabu. All right. Now, 20-something years later, Sabu's a giant piece of shit, and I like Taz. But this is neither here nor there. All right. Don't act like this was on the up and up, Anthony. All right. Taz found tons of flaws in Christian's kill switch and other maneuvers. All right. And I think Taz is a little biased towards Team Taz. I don't think he's being a professional broadcast journalist in this segment. Heavy on the Team Taz. Team Taz bias. I'm calling you out. No, it's. No, what do you mean? No. Wow. No, no, no. It's nothing like Kate's Twitter poll bias. Did Powerhouse Hobbs lose to Christian? Uh, he did, uh, but there's still a lot of flaws that Taz noticed that now uh, Brian Cage or Ricky Starks can expose uh, and basically put out uh, put Christian out to pasture. So Good. I think it's all valid. Good luck, Team Taz. Good luck. Oh, Kate, what did you think? Um, this was fine. <laughs> I like these segments. Right. As too. They mostly haven't been biased, so having one that was a little biased I thought was actually kind of fun. Um, so I'm glad that he's not going after Dobby anymore and he's going after Christian Cage. Um, but I think I think he's going to have a whole host of other issues when Cage drops the FTW belt to the belt collector. That's what I think. 
Kate laying out more of these conspiracy theories. We'll just see how it all plays out. Uh, the next match we get is our uh, four tag team eliminator uh, match. So the whole gimmick with this match was you have your top four tag teams uh, in this eliminator. The team who wins will get their shot uh, at the AEW uh, World Tag Team Champions, uh, the Young Bucks. So we have the Jurassic Express, uh, Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, and Luchasaurus versus SCU, Christopher Daniels, and Frank Kazarian, the acclaimed Anthony Bowens and Max Caster, and the Varsity Blondes, Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison. By the way, who the fuck is Griff Garrison? Um, so... Um, Listen, it starts off and uh, with our two teams in the ring. Uh, it's uh, uh, Kazarian uh, and, uh, man, I don't even remember who else was in the ring at the start. So. Jungle Boy. It was Jungle Boy. Okay. And they lock it up, and then eventually, you know, there's a hot tag from Caster to send out Jungle Boy. And then uh, one of the Hollywood Blondes tags in from Kazarian. And then it kind of breaks down, and they go to a commercial break. But we get back, uh, and there's, uh, you know, uh, a lot of uh, action back and forth. We get some good work uh, by the acclaimed, uh, working over um, uh, Christopher Daniels, and Luchasaurus comes in, and blah, blah, blah. Let's cut to the finish here. Uh, we get SCU winning by pinfall, which I think we all thought this was going to go. Um, uh, Brian Pillman uh, eats the pin here. Uh, I think that's the way it had to go. Um, and they are now SCU is the number one contenders to the AEW World Tag Team Championship. And we know that we're going to get a match there. Uh, so, uh, guys, any issues with this match? I think, again, we all kind of knew that this was the outcome that we had to get. Uh, because of this SCU thing where if they lose, they're broken up forever. So we had to get them their title shot um, to follow that storyline. So uh, any issues with this match? Kate, what did you think? Let's go to you first. Um, so having watched the previous Dynamite going right into this one, it was extremely telegraphed in the promo that they did too, which was kind of a bummer because I would have loved for it to have been Jurassic Express or the acclaimed like if they hadn't telegraphed it so much I would at least think there was a possibility but uh the match itself was super fun I felt like this was actually a better refereeing performance from Knox even though I like to pick on him um and I thought the four teams worked really well together it wasn't crowded overloaded spots for the most part I thought it was a pretty clean match this isn't really a complaint but just like the smallest of nitpicks it would have been fun if they had had the two rings set up for this match, not like a blood and guts match here, but in the same way you used to see like in old war games, that spot of uh, Rey Mysterio was going around like <laughs> just using the other ring as either a jumping pad or just using it for psychology sake with it being there. So I thought with a four-way tag like that, that could have been a very fun thing to have like to incorporate but that's not a complaint about the match that just would have been a potentially really fun thing to have around but I thought the match itself was very strong uh I don't always like matches like this because there's so many people involved but I thought this one was really well executed I thought it was a great mix of styles and I think SCU and the Bucks have such a history in AEW itself dating before AEW all the way back to TNA and stuff like I think that it's going to be a, a really fantastic uh mini little program that we get going here all right match was fantastic 
Love the outcome. Love, love, love to see SCU beat the Bucks next week. And while they're in the ring with their championships, we get the return of the Motor City Machine Guns. That other little bridge between Impact. There's a history there. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure SCU, once they lose the tag titles, that's it. But I think if they get their last run as champions, I think it'll be good. And as Kate mentioned before, I don't think the Young Bucks need the tag titles. If they're going to be doing whatever the fuck they're doing, whatever this is that they're doing, them having the tag titles makes the tag titles seem less important. Because I want what they're doing with the TNT Championship to be done with the tag titles. I want to see the tag titles defended every week. Or every other week. And with the Bucks, they're like in these fucking weird tag matches, these eight-man tag matches, these six-man tag matches. They're fucking videotaping each other, you know, sticking fucking Dungeons & Dragons things and Brandon Cutler. It's weird. I don't want it. They're the tag champs. They should be fighting. Uh, Marco Stunt needs to go. I hope he runs off the fucking stage and he breaks both of his legs and he never gets up again and we never see him on AEW TV. I hate him. He annoys the ever-living piss out of me. He makes the tag team feel like a fucking joke. He doesn't belong there. He shouldn't be allowed at ringside. He doesn't have a manager's license. You don't know that. I do know that. I fucking Googled who has a manager's license. He doesn't have a manager's license. Goddamn Jake the Snake Roberts has one. Fucking Arn has one. Fucking Vicky Guerrero has one. Brandy has one. You could have consulted your almanac, I'm sure. That would have told you, too. You know what? Wise ass, my almanac doesn't have who has a manager's wrestling license in there. I don't see Marco Stone when Tully has one. Oh, well, that's... I don't see Marco Stone when... No, you want to know why? Because he's a Klingon. He's a hanger-on. All right? They just let him hang out with them. Yeah, they just let him hang out with him. With them, the tag team, Jurassic Express, because they feel sorry for him because he's a fucking loser. I cannot wow. wait to see him beat the shit out of you, as this Twitter poll has asked for. I will, first of all, I'm not going to fight a five-year-old, okay? If he wants to throw wood in the pizza oven, come on come on over, little Marco. I'll make you a cheesy pizza. You want to throw some wood in the oven, big guy? All right? He could do that. You know what? I have more respect for Baby A than I do for Marco Stunt, okay? Yeah. You know what? I mean, it's great in the ring, which is, you know, great. He does have a belt. He does have a belt. So, Matt, you're saying that it's Marco Stunt who makes that tag team uh, a joke and not their entrance no, music. Their entrance some music people is fantastic. Said. You saw the crowd cheering along, singing, having a good time with it. Marco Stunt, no. Marco Stunt, he is the, uh, he is, if you look up, uh, human dog shit in the tra- in the in the dictionary. It's a picture of Marco Stunt. It's so weird. You sound it's like, also- dear Darla. I hate your stinking guts. You are the gum on the bottom of my shoe. <laughs> that's it's also that's also an oxymoron. Human dog shit. Yeah, and I don't know. I'm going to be in a conundrum if a Marco Stunt action figure comes out. <gasps> You're going to have to get it. I have to I have hope it. There's- fucking chase figure that costs you 800 bucks i swear to oh, god oh marco swear to chase fucking figure god, Kate, if that ever happens i'm coming okay. back to this audio and i'm taking it out of your ass understand that <laughs> i'm gonna create one now unlicensed i'll get sued i don't care Just i don't want that trash just to get under your fucking skin. fake made up action figures get out of here seu tag team champions next week i call it right now give me it. all right all right matt's calling it 
Um, moving on from this, we get a video package uh, hyping up John Moxley uh, versus Yuji Nagata next week. Um, man, uh, I thought it was a great video package. Um, kind of hyping up the issue that uh, Mox has with Nagata, saying here he's been hearing the chatter. He didn't think he'd hear the chatter from overseas, uh, but he's heard every word. Uh, and that next week, basically, um, he's going to put Yuji Nagata out of his misery uh, and that uh, he's not going to get up because once the bell rings, there is no respect. Uh, and uh, especially when the title is on the line. Um, great video package in my book. Just, again, really refreshing to see when somebody has the ability to just do whatever they feel comes natural uh, and can do it well. Um, that uh, things can be super successful. Uh, so uh, another great video package out of uh, Mox. Some great footage being shown uh, of Nagata in the ring. Uh, I thought this worked really well. Uh, Matt, you are a New Japan mark. What did you think of this uh, video package? I loved it. I loved it. We see someone Noro Suzuki. Uh, I loved it. We saw some Finn. We saw some Juice Robinson. Loved it. Saw some Nelly. Loved it. Uh, they're gonna have they're gonna have a little showdown, little action on New Japan Strong, when uh, Dickinson, uh, who's it? Dickinson and and Moxley against Yuji Nagata and Ren Narita. I think, I think that's so. the t- I think that's the tag match. Nelly, you're gonna fall off and you're gonna hurt yourself. Please go over there. Uh, I'm fucking super pumped for this. Next week's gonna be a huge week for Dynamite. I-, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what happens. I'm so excited about this because it's like. Does Moxley mow down another New Japan guy? Does he still keep his... uh, Does Moxley retain against Yuji Nagata having the IWGP US Heavyweight Champion and then come face-to-face with the New Japan Strong Champion Tom Lawler in an AEW ring? There's so many possibilities with this forbidden door being kicked. It's not even been opened. It's not even been like cracked open. This shit is kicked off the hinge. It's laying in the street. Your weird, creepy neighbor with his 13-year-old kids. They got their mullets. They got their M80s. They've been blowing fireworks off on the door. You can't put the door back on now. The door's been blown to shit. Anything can happen. It's a wonderful thing. It's like a GCW door. It's just gotten decimated. (laughs) Fucking Jerry Blackwell's going to run. He's going to wrestle rap and he's going to jump on the door and smush it. Okay. The more you talk about wrestle rap and the fact that we have to do this, that means we're shortly behind. So take it easy. Um, I didn't get to talk about this last week and I I was so excited to see the news. Um, and and I had actually it's so funny after Mania weekend and I had talked about how cool it is that John Moxley was just like yeah I'm gonna be AEW champion and I'm gonna be champion in New Japan and I'm gonna DDT Nick Gage on a bunch of light tubes and I'm just gonna basically do whatever the fuck I want and like here's another awesome example of John Moxley just getting to do whatever the hell he wants and I just I love it I love the forbidden door being open I love that everybody can put together dream matches in their head and then they come out of left field with something like this and surprise you entirely. I love, um, I said it earlier today, not to get too off track, but Daniel Bryan is a free agent now. And I'm like, Jesus, Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe and CM Punk are all out on the open market and they could run roughshod. And if Daniel Bryan wants to resign and just use this as leverage for more money, awesome. But it's like, the healthy competition and when companies are now working together 
you can just create so many possibilities in your mind. And the more possibilities you create in your head, the more surprises you're open to because you don't know where things are going to go. So it's just a really awesome thing for professional wrestling in general. And um, also for the wrestlers who are going to benefit from stuff like this. And now John Moxley gets to go have a, a match with the legend <laughs> on AEW TV, which nobody was even asking for, but everybody loves. So how fucking cool is that? It's very cool. And I, and the video package itself was great. And I think pulls in people who might not have known a lot and gets them caught up to speed very quickly, which is very important. I think. Totally. I know one thing, Kate, you have to let the CM Punk thing go. Just nope, never. let it go. We know you're a Mark. Brian Schlong, let us know. All that ROH class is now like around, you know what I mean? So, and that's just never going to happen. So never. Um, now. <laughs> yes tempered um so after this we go actually uh we go to the live uh segment of the night right so now we flip over and everything is live uh and kenny omega is being interviewed uh ahead of the main event uh and he's basically hyping up to the crowd which i believe actually was like 40 percent capacity tonight so they upped their normal capacity uh, i think it was at like 25 percent they went to like 40 percent tonight for this um and Kenny Omega is hyping up the to the crowd. Um, basically, the blood and guts match. Uh, he shows off his AEW World Championship, his AAA Mega Championship, or I'm sorry, Mega Campionata, uh, and then his uh, Impact World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, and he says the, you know, he's not here for fun and games. Uh, he doesn't even want to be here at all. And he asked Tony Schiavone to please make the announcement because this is where we're going to announce what is going to happen at Double or Nothing for Kenny Omega. And the announcement is that uh, next week we're going to get Pac and Orange Cassidy to have an eliminator cha- uh, an eliminator match where the winner will face Kenny Omega for the AEW World Championship at Double or Nothing. Uh, and Omega says that it's great because wins and losses matter and Pac has beaten him in tags and multi-man matches and he wants to see a rematch so just announce it he's asking Tony just announce that it's going to be him and Pac and Orange Cassidy enters the fray so Kenny basically scoffs and questions you know uh, that he might have to wrestle you know uh, Orange Cassidy uh, but says that uh, he sees merit in OC uh, and you know that the kids, you know, have hands in their pockets and dress like him uh, on Halloween, and that he's a feel-good wrestler, Orange Cassidy. That is, but someone like Orange Cassidy can never be championship material. Kenny eventually pulls the glasses off Orange Cassidy and says that uh, uh, he asks uh, Orange Cassidy if he fancies himself as the guy who made, uh, if, if he fancies himself as a guy who likes to wear glasses because Kenny made that popular in pro wrestling. Uh, he said if they, he looked at the glasses, said they're legit Ray-Bans. He gave them over to, uh, to Nakazawa uh, because uh, if Orange Cassidy's going to take up uh, his valuable time, he's taking the glasses. And then um, uh, he calls Orange Cassidy crazy, but the glasses look better on Nakazawa. Uh, I'm sorry, he, he says, uh, call me crazy, but those glasses look better on Nakazawa, uh, who looks like more of a championship than Orange Cassidy. Um, Kenny says he wouldn't count on the match and he'll see Orange Cassidy in 10 years or so when he's a fully grown adult and we go to break. 
So guys, um, clearly there's some telegraphing going on here. It makes you think that we're going to get Orange Cassidy and uh, Kenny Omega at double or nothing. I would prefer to see Pac and Kenny Omega. Um, I think that Orange Cassidy could have a good match with Kenny Omega, but I do not see it as a pay-per-view main event match personally. Um, so I don't know. I like this whole segment. I thought Kenny did a good job as kind of the shit heel champion of really putting down Orange Cassidy. I'm just afraid that they are telegraphing this and that's what we're going to get. So, uh, Kate, let's start with you. What did you think about this segment? And what do you think about the prospect of us possibly getting the Orange Cassidy and Kenny Omega match at double or nothing? Um, Okay, a few things. First of all, I thought it was really smart to send Kenny Omega out there to get the crowd pumped up right before you're switching from recorded content to your live show. Um, That was just a really smart move on AEW's part. Secondly, Kenny Omega does an incredible job at making you care about feuds out of nowhere. He completely told you about his history with Pac and that Pac had once beat him and made him tap out which is something that's a really, really cool thing to throw in there. Like this dominant champion getting real with you. And then uh, the Orange Cassidy land that popped me the most was saying that he saw kids dressing it like them at their sock hops, which cracked me up, um, but also made you buy into the, the thought of him and Orange Cassidy. Um, I initially had the same thought as you where I don't know if I want that to headline a pay-per-view match what could get me there would be a this is all swerve and Pac is gonna win or b um if he just beats the ever-living shit out of Orange Cassidy and then someone else comes out after um so maybe it's it's a situation where because how how do you build a bigger heel than that like this guy gets it sounds like a full arena at 40% capacity today. Everybody's popping off the chair for him. Everybody loves him. Just have him beat the ever-loving crap out of him at, at the end of the match or that be the match and then have something happen after. Maybe it's an impact situation where someone comes over from there, from the other side of the pond, or maybe someone from New Japan. But I I don't... He can go. We've seen Orange Cassidy. He's a great wrestler. I think for the story, you just have to have Kenny Omega just just fucking crush him because there's you're just going to get so much heat out of that. And then maybe the next chapter of what's going to happen with Kenny Omega starts there. Maybe we say Hangman. I don't know. But I feel like if it is Orange Cassidy, that's not actually what the story of the main event is going to end up being. I am kind of in the same boat with Anthony. I don't want to see Orange Cassidy, but Pac Orange Cassidy was the first time we got to see really what Orange Cassidy, Orange Cassidy was capable if you weren't familiar with his independent work. Secondly, they announced today, and I know it's in the, in the notes, Ant, and I'm sorry if I'm getting ahead here, Double or Nothing is going to be Full House. That place will come unglued if Kenny Omega stands in the middle of the ring with Orange Cassidy for the main event. And he throws those fucking kicks. The crowd's gonna go fucking apeshit. And what 
I think what AEW will do with that is they will take the most, uh, the best bout machine and what some people think is the most ridiculous gimmick in wrestling, and they will get it over the fucking moon. They will get them in the ring. The place will go fucking apeshit. It'll be electric. Uh, and we we know uh, Orange Cassidy can wrestle. And the more I talk about it, the more I'm not so down on it. Because I think with a live crowd, it's going to be really, really fucking good. And who knows where this Kenny Omega belt collector is going. So you can't throw, you know... This isn't a spot for Hangman Page. Um, you know, you could get Pac there if you have interference from the elite. Like, you screw over the babyface. Or Orange Cassidy is obviously a more lovable character than Pac. So maybe, and then you can give the best friends and Pac, you know, the three of them. And, I don't know, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston can wrestle the Good Brothers, the Young Bucks, and Michael Nakazawa. You know, there's you can build a story there. Um there's a lot of spoons in the porridge, and I know we said it was muddy before, but maybe we get a little clarity after this next week of Dynamite. But the more I think about Omega and Cassidy in front of a sold-out crowd of rabbit wrestling fans who probably haven't been to a live wrestling event in the last year and a half, I'm sorry. I'm in on it. Also, I don't know if it's still up because David Starr is a piece of shit, but if you look at um, – if you're looking for an Orange Cassidy match, that's not like – entirely gimmicky to go check out his match against david Starr is like the best in my opinion thing i've seen orange cassidy do from a, a perspective of not just comedy like you definitely get it and how they set up the match but like you see orange cassidy gimmick peeled away full force against a typical kind of cocky heel that david Starr was and it is fantastically done. And if it goes in that direction, rock rock the whole match out. Cause that was one of the, the best matches I've ever seen Orange Cassidy have. Um, but I, I think Kenny Omega just beating the shit out of Orange Cassidy is going to be a heel magnet. And you're absolutely right, Matt. That moment in front of a full crowd with Orange Cassidy is going to be monstrous, especially if Jericho is going away and they just had this face turn. Someone stepping up into that like comedic face role you know i listen i'm I'm with you guys in the fact that i think a live crowd will go crazy for orange cassidy in the ring doing his shtick with kenny omega um i just think the quality of the match we would get between Pac and kenny would be a little bit better um listen either way I think they'll put on a good match, whoever they decide to go with. I think that whoever we don't get at this point in time, if it doesn't wind up being Orange Cassidy and it is Pac, will eventually lead into something happening with Orange Cassidy and vice versa. So I think we're going to see both of these things play out at some point. It'll be interesting to see what happens next week uh, in that match uh, for the Eliminator, uh, the Eliminator match for the for the title shot at Double or Nothing. Uh, and then we'll be we'll be into the build. So we'll see what happens next week. Um, moving on in the show, uh, the next thing we get is a an interview with Miro, uh, and Miro says that he is here to collect, and he's got a contract for a match next week against Darby Allen for the TNT Championship. And if Darby can't compete, he'll forfeit the title. Um, so um, 
it looks like, again, as we kind of said, it was a work with the injured arm of Darby Allen that I would assume will play into the match somehow next week with Miro. Would I absolutely hate if they took the belt off Darby Allen and gave it to Miro next week? Absolutely not. Um, so uh, this is interesting. Look, I, I think Miro looked like a million bucks in the short period we saw him on TV tonight. He's freshly shorn. His chest was hairless. Um, and he just looked like a million bucks. I mean, it's not Miro hasn't not looked like a million bucks since he's come in, but he just looked super. He just looked really good tonight. Uh, so I'm excited to see the match next week with Darby Allen. Darby Allen's had some really good matches, you know, in the past few weeks uh, for the title. I think this one has a good match, you know, good match potential, uh, but I'm not sure how they're going to, kind of settle the outcome i think miro has to come away with it but kate what do you think um i'm very excited to see this type of miro i am a little nervous that kip sabian is on his way back (laughs) um and that we're getting a tnt title shot tomorrow but i feel like sabian and miro are both gonna work heel so maybe that's finally put to bed I'm excited for the match. I would love Miro to go over. I'm a little nervous that, like to what Matt alluded to, that we run into this thing where for the match to work, you have to have like beat down and then Darby wins with a schoolboy or something. So I'm just nervous it's going to be a somewhat repetitive match. But like, I think most people should have that type of match against Miro. So I'm hopeful that it'll be good. It might just feel a little bit redundant. I think. I don't think you have Darby lose on free TV the week after a really big show. I feel like if he was going to lose it to Miro, he loses it tonight. Um, But I would love to see Miro be a TNT champion. So we'll see. Uh, I like it. I think Miro wins um, because he has name recognition. And I think the Darby experiment is... I don't know. I'm just not into Darby as the TNT champion. I think I've talked about it at nauseum the last couple of weeks. Um, and I'm just ready to, to see Miro elevated to that level. Um, you know, it might happen. It might not happen. We still have this open-ended story with Scorpio and Ethan Page. Lance Archer is still has some weird ties to, to Darby. Uh, so maybe there's some outside interference from Page and Scorpio. Lance Archer shows up. Darby retains with the help of Lance Archer. Now we have Lance and Miro. I'm not against Lance versus Miro. Uh, that could be something interesting. So this could go a lot of different ways. I'd like to see Miro win. I'm going to take back what I just said. Uh, I think Darby retains, and I think we get Miro and Lance in a Haas battle, and we get uh, the final chapter of Scorpio, maybe some weird like triple threat where it's like Scorpio, Page, and Darby for the TNT title, and that partnership finally falls apart uh, we'll see i'm excited for it though next week card is stacking up nicely and i think that's the beauty of what AEW does they they write episodic television and they kind of make it feel like it's must see you know and that's why yeah. that's why raw and nitro worked at, during the attitude era every week it was must see you know now it's like oh, i'm not you know who's fucking three hours to watch raw nobody nobody gives a fuck it's miserable it's hot garbage <laughs> It's oh you Very know true. you know it is raw is Marco stunt that's what I'm gonna call it now. Oh raw is Marco. Yeah, no, no instead um, of just saying things like hot garbage or dog shit, I'm just gonna say it's Marco stunt. Rude. Oh okay. 
Very, I get it. Shit out of you via our Twitter poll. Oh, sorry? I can't wait till he beats the shit out of you. Thanks to our Twitter poll. I will not fight a child, but he can try. I'll just do the thing. That child is a man. He's not a kid. If that's what you think a man is, I... We're gonna have to he's have, not dead. He's legally an adult. We're gonna have to have a talk on the side. He is not a man. He might be a he might what? be able to buy a beer, but he is not a man. He's probably <laughs> wearing fucking skinny jeans and has his hair in a ponytail right now. Man, if that's what she thinks a man looks like, I'm interested in seeing Trevor at some point. But up. Uh, so Matt, you are right. They do, uh, write TV well, where they make you feel like every week you really must tune in and next week's card definitely is a must see card on paper. Uh, as we just said, we're going to get Darby Allen versus Miro in a TNT title match. Uh, we have orange Cassidy versus Pac in an AEW title eliminator match to get our number one contender for the world heavyweight title at double or nothing. The young bucks are going to defend their championship against SCU next week. And if SCU loses, that's the end of them. Uh, shut the fuck up. We're going to get Tony Schiavone interviewing Jade Cargill. Uh, we'll have Cody Rhodes making a, uh, a double or nothing announcement next week. So we'll see what happens for the card next week. And we will get John Moxley defending his IWGP us title against Yuji Nagata on AEW television. So it's quite a card for next week. And guys, we're now at our main event of the evening, our inner circle versus the pinnacle in our blood and guts match. Um, so um, we start this match out with Sammy Guevara and uh, Dax Harwood in the ring. Um, and I have to say, Right from the get-go, Sammy Guevara, I thought, looked like a million bucks. We haven't seen him in the ring since, I believe, February. Uh, I don't have an exact date, but it was uh, sometime in February. Uh, it was the last time we saw Sammy in the ring in any action. Uh, so I thought he looked really great right off the bat. Um, as we start to move through this, uh, we uh, are getting our kind of countdown to new entrance. Sean Spears is our third man in the match. He brings a chair in with him. Uh, he uh, hammers Guevara with the chair. Harwood is busted open at one point uh, in this. Uh, and then our fourth man enters, and that is Ortiz, uh, who comes in with his own chair, and he's hot, throwing his chair around, choke slamming, you know, choking people and everything like that. Uh, Wheeler is the fifth entrant. Uh, to um, uh, to come in and uh, you know help out uh, the pinnacle with the advantage. Um, you know the uh, pinnacle is working over Ortiz and Sammy Guevara. Um, Santana then enters the match sixth. Um, so we're even again. Santana starts laying people out, uh, and now we go to a commercial break. But uh, during the break, Wardlow enters as the seventh man which kind of was smart because he's a slow entrant. You know, there's a little bit of build to him. Uh, and as we get back from uh, return, Jake Hager enters the match as the, in the eighth position. Uh, he starts to throw everybody around, and then eventually we get to Wardlow and Hager squaring up and brawling. Uh, MJF is our next man to enter at nine. Um, so now Pinnacle is in control. We've got Wheeler and Harwood busted open. Um, and the countdown timer ticks down. Jericho is the last man to enter. The match is, um, 
is kind of official at this point. Now we can have a winner and everybody kind of squares up on two in both rings. And now everybody comes to the middle. Jericho busts out Floyd starts teeing off on people. And we're really brawling from here on out. Uh, we did get numerous commercial breaks with picture in picture, um, which was necessary. We get that they have to do that. Um, we get a spot at this point where Guevara goes coast to coast uh, to, um, you know, nail <laughs> nails uh, Sean Spears, who's upside down in the turnbuckle with a chair to the face. Uh, so Sammy looking like a million bucks. Spears making it happen. Um, you know, again, going back to forth. I'm leaving a whole bunch of stuff out here, but eventually the ring, uh, the the ring mats get pulled back. The hardwood is exposed. They take down one of the ropes uh, in one of the rings so they can spike people with the turnbuckle. Uh, that was pretty cool. They've got bars, they've got bats, they've got everything you would want to see in this match, which warrants the parental advisory. Um, eventually Tully, uh, is able to get the key and open the door during, uh, one of our final breaks. Uh, and, uh, MJF escapes to the top of the cage, but Y2J follows him up, uh, and they start to, um, you know, hit each other. Uh, Jericho gets uh, the walls. Jericho, uh, no tap from MJF. MJF gets the salt of the earth. No tap from Jericho. Um, uh, MJF puts on his di- dynamite diamond and, uh, you know, punches Y2J in the face with it. Uh, and then Jericho is now busted open. Uh, and he walks, uh, MJF walks Jericho over to the side of the cage. Uh, and he says that he is going to throw Jericho off the cage if the inner circle doesn't surrender. Uh, and Guevara eventually does surrender. So we do get the pinnacle winning by verbal uh, submission here uh, or surrender uh, after MJF threatens to throw Jericho off the cage. So, of course, uh, post-match, MJF does what a heel is going to do. He spits in Jer- on Jericho. Um he pulls uh, Jericho up and he throws him off the side of the cage. Uh, Jericho goes uh, through the diamond plate. Um, Medics swarm in. MJF is left standing on top of the cage. Uh, fist raised in the air. Crimson mask. Blood running down his face. He thanks Jericho as he said he would tell him thank you. And that is the end of the show, folks. So I know we went through a whole lot there really fast. Guys, I would like your take on this match. I have some opinions I'll interject with, but Matt, let's lead off with you. What did you think of this match? Did it live up to the hype? I loved this match. Yes, there were some spots that were botched. Yes, you could see Jericho clearly reaching for the gig. Yes, you could see it in his hand while he was uh, fighting not to tap out. Uh, yes, he did not fall off the top of the cage uh, onto a fucking real concrete steel floor, you fucking morons. Um, I thought it was awesome. I thought it lived. Sammy looked like a million bucks. Wardlow looked great. Them dismantling the ring. This is this is the payoff. This is the blow off match. Uh, this ne- is what it needed to be. I loved everything about it. Yes, there was picture in picture. Should have been a pay per view match. Maybe, but you know what? We'll see when the ratings come out tomorrow how many people tuned into this. Uh, you you can't, you know, they gave you almost a fucking hour of action. Like you needed yep. to take picture. You had picture in picture. Who cares? I yeah, no, it. 
if you're complaining that somebody's giving you something free instead of paying for it, you really got to go for a walk. <laughs> Dude, if you're like, why wasn't I charged for this and I had no commercials? Um, you can continue on your praise of it, Matt, if you wanted. No, if you wanted. That, was, that was it. I mean, everyone, everyone bled. The guys, you know, everyone had fucking marks on them from getting thrown into the cage, falling between the cage and the ring. Sammy was banged up. Ortiz had like a fucking red mark across his head. Santana was banged up. Cash and Dax. Cash fucking... He must have fucking cut a, I don't know what, or he ate a fucking bottle of baby aspirin before the match started. Homeboy was covered. Covered, MJF. That fucking final shot of MJF standing on top of the cage with blood and guts behind him on the screen was awesome. Awesome. So I loved it all around. I want to say this, Kate. I forgot to mention. Um, I thought it. The inner circle's gear was great. They came out in prison jumpsuits uh, with their name on the back and the name of a prison, uh, I guess, in their hometown, wherever they're living now. Um, uh, And also the dead president's face paint on Santana and Ortiz was awesome. Awesome. And also, uh, Matt, I did notice uh, clearly guys were banged up. We knew what they were going through. Um, At one point, I couldn't tell. And we'll see, I guess, when when we get some stuff on social media. I haven't been looking since we've been doing this. But at one point, they showed uh, towards the end of the match, uh, not Santana, I'm sorry, Sammy Guevara. Uh, and it looked like across the bridge of his nose, he had a black mark, which I don't know if it was a bruise like he, you know, uh, injured his nose or if maybe it was some face paint he picked up, you know, somewhere. Uh, but yeah, these guys were definitely putting it all on the line. It was fantastic. Uh, Kate, what are your points? And then I have a couple things maybe I'll ask you all about. But what did you think your reaction? So, OK, Um I really want Santana and Ortiz to be tag team champions soon. (laughs) I'll say, I don't know what else they got to do. They'll probably continue this feud with FTR for a little bit. Maybe whoever's your next tag team champions can be transitional. I just don't know what else you need for them to prove that they are championship caliber and can just fucking do whatever you need them to do in virtually any style. The dead president's face paint fucking ruled. Um, just unbelievable strongholds in this match. Same same with Dax and Cash, obviously. Busted open. Crazy amounts of blood. Um, I had a, ma- a thought in, during this match, and I was like, this isn't a death match, but I hope people that put on death matches might be taking a note that, like, you can have a lot of blood and you can use a lot of weapons and still tell the story and not be like, look at the pizza cutter I just used. Like, I love death matches that also tell stories for the death matches that I watch. Um, but this to me almost felt like that. Um, Sammy Guevara springboards all over the place. I feel like set a totally new standard for how someone with his style can fit into a match like this. It's not always easy for like a high flyer to come out looking good on one of these or someone who is kind of more a flippy do guy to be able to merge stuff that makes sense like that. But I said in the discord, if Darby Allen wasn't in this company, he would be the Darby Allen of this company. Like he does some really insane shit, but it never, it's never like, look at this athletic showcase of what I do. Everything he did made total sense tonight. Um, 
Sean Spears, I thought, did really well in this. And to me, he was the guy that needed to do really well in this. I think everybody's bought in on everybody else. Um, but that spot with the, like you said, the coast to coast that we saw that Sean Spears just fucking ate in the face was insane. And then I loved the I loved the storytelling with Jericho and MJF on the the top of the cage. I don't know if I love how unresolved it felt. Um because it felt like this was a blow off, but the ending wasn't super definitive. The more I sat with it, the more I liked it. The more, once MJF threw Jericho off the top anyway, then I really liked it a lot more. Like it sat much better with me, but I kind of wish it was an in-ring thing that made it a clear definitive ending um, that didn't maybe leave the door open. However, uh, everybody is super protected in that case. It seems like Jericho is going to go away on tour. So that doesn't really matter a ton. And even though the blow off between these two stables is happening, I think we're still going to get a lot of feuds maybe continuing. I think we're going to get MJF and Sammy out of this. I wouldn't be surprised if we get FTR and proud and powerful out of this. The big man stuff is the writing on the wall with Hager and Wardlow. We're definitely going to get a Haas match out of that. So I think that's a good way to protect people and keep this alive, even though this was a blow off. Super minor complaints. Um, in picture in picture, there was this really cool moment. Nothing you can do about it, but um, it would have been cool to have this moment on screen in full picture. When Wardlow entered the ring, the entire inner circle just paused and like had this brief moment where they realized all of a sudden there was like this fucking monster in their way. Um, and it was just such a great storytelling moment that I wish we could have seen in full picture because it it made Wardlow look and feel so important and so threatening because they all were just like, holy shit, the big dude is in. I just love moments like that. I wish I could have seen it in full picture. And yes, are there a bunch of fucking baby marks whining about the ending and that Jericho essentially fell into a bunch of pillows at the end? Yeah. Is it overkill? Of course it is. But I do have to say, um, (laughs) your ring doesn't explode. And then your next kind of big thing that you do like that, Jericho's clearly falling into a bunch of pillows. Like, just don't have the camera follow him all the way down then. Then it looks like he fell into the abyss. Or have the lip of whatever he's falling on come up just a little bit. Like, it seems, it's so stupid to complain about something like that. But at the same time, it seems like there's such easy ways you could have fixed that with camera angles, with props. Like, for it to not, it's like the button he's falling down it's the end of the story like for that moment i get why people are complaining because it is it's like the refereeing thing where you're like god damn it it does just take you out of it for a second and if this wasn't coming kind of on the back of a ring that didn't explode i think maybe i wouldn't be as picky about it either but i feel like if they had just angled the camera and had the lip of the ramp or whatever it was come just slightly above the crash pad from the visual aspect it would have looked a lot 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 better but i think this is this is good where this can go and i think the match on the whole was absolutely phenomenal so this was actually one of the one point that i i actually wanted to raise so there's two things kate that you mentioned that i want to bring up uh, points about um but one since we were just talking about the crash pad i want to bring it up so clearly i'm not an idiot he's got to hit a pad right like you know he's not going to fall through steel and wood um I had a theory, though, kind of seeing him laying there and kind of falling. 
it looked like they had some sort of mat, like an AEW carpet or something on the front of that pad. My theory is maybe he either was supposed to hit that, like fall just kind of down and hit that, or maybe that mat wasn't in the right spot because I feel like if he had fallen and hit that large, what looked like carpet or rug or something that had AEW on it, it would have probably hidden that pad a little bit better. Um, instead of the way that it played out where you basically saw everything underneath him. Just a theory. I don't know if you guys noticed that kind of, it, it was a large kind of square mark that he had to hit. And only half of that was kind of covered. The front half of that had that rug or whatever on it. I feel like maybe that should have been moved and then there wouldn't have been an issue, right? We wouldn't have seen everything exposed underneath it. You know, but clearly they kind of had to show him going through that that diamond plate. I don't know. Do you guys think there's any validity to that? That's just a random thought I had. Maybe he he just landed too far back or they had that out of place and it would have maybe solved all of that. I mean, it's very possible. Look, I, I get it. I get it's that wrestling it's the wrestling fans that grew up watching the Attitude Era. It's the Mick Foley off the top of the cage. People aren't like Oh my god, that ruined his fucking career. Like, oh my god, what's next? I want to see someone die. Like that's really what wrestling fans want. And the fucking same people complaining about this, I guarantee if you go through their fucking feed, were completely disgusted that they let Matt Hardy keep wrestling in that match. When he fell Or Darby on- Allen earlier, I saw a lot of that hypocrisy. Like, how could they let him take that spot? And then literally an hour later. Right. Like look. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Visually, like, it doesn't look good when you see the pads. But but seriously, do you really expect these fucking guys, especially someone like Jericho, who's 50 years old, to fall through a fucking steel and wood stage? Stop. It's wrestling. You really want him to fucking hurt him? You want him or anyone else to risk their fucking life for your dumb entertainment because you can't, for five seconds, be like, all right, I get it. It's a safety thing. I don't see you falling off a fucking cage after wrestling for fucking 25 minutes. Stop. But I don't think that is what they're saying. I don't think they want him to go through concrete and wood. I think they want them to get the ending of their shows to look good when they have these huge matches, like, which is not a lot to ask. Are some people being absurd about it? Of course. But I don't think anybody expects Jericho to fucking actually eat that spot. I think they are expecting it to look good to yeah, end yeah. your show. The- and hide the crash pad. They did it during Stadium Stampede. Sammy went through a crash pad clearly, but it looked like he went through a different thing because it was masqueraded by like wood and the sides of the state. Like it just cannot be that hard. Well, to- it's, li- it's live TV. If if Anthony's point is that he that carpet was his landing yeah. spot, and he but he's not comfortable. He feels like you know. Look, he's fucking just letting MJF push him off a fucking thing. You know, like he has no control where his body goes. It's not the end of the world. It doesn't take away from the match for me. I'd rather see the fucking crash pad and know, you know, at least he's okay. I, it, you know, Ann's theory that then I totally get it. Like if that was a crash pad behind the thing that was supposed to look right, then like then live TV happens. But I'm, it is just like I, I understand the complaint. Do I think it ruins my life? No, people need to calm the fuck down. Yeah. 
Well, that was just one thing. And the other thing, Kate, that you had brought up that I sort of had an issue with uh, was just the way that the match was resolved. I get what they were doing to kind of protect everybody, but I almost felt like, come on, like you're going to threaten to throw them off and that's it. Like after talking about how you guys will go to war and kill each other and you're bleeding and it's just like, we're going to throw them off if you don't, uh, if you don't give up and it's so quick for them just to be like, all right, we surrender. Like it just, I, I don't know. I I just, I wish that there was something more definitive. Is, is there more validity to the story because it's Sammy, the guy who didn't want MJF in the inner circle and MJF, the guy who tried to uh, pull the wool over Jericho's eyes with the camera uh, that Sammy put in the locker room showing, uh, Jericho that Sammy was right all along like I think Sammy being the guy to do that is going to play out it's almost like when MJF threw in the towel for Cody that's yeah no I I get it I I get it listen that's a valid point I just I just felt like it was sort of like you had this whole build and this match was so heavy hitting and that was just like, it just felt like a dud to me. I get what you're saying. But then it, at the very least, maybe, you know, have Sammy involved, not necessarily saying we surrender, but, you know, somehow involved in either being the one who gives up or verbally surrenders for something else. It just kind of seemed like, I'm going to throw him off. Okay, we surrender. Like, it just seemed like... They had already been through so much and they were all bleeding. And it's it's that one thing, like, I'll toss him. Okay, don't toss him. We give up. You know, it just, I don't know. It just kind of felt like, a, you know, it just felt limp to me. I agree with you, too. And the other thing is, like, it felt like a cop-out and the baby faces were taking the cop-out. That, I think, is why it's, like, not sitting right with me. Like, of course, the heel's going to be the one to put you in that situation. But for... This has kind of been like a little bit of my issue with the build. I've heard a, a few people saying this, that like there's a kind of a tension where it's like the pinnacles this whole time come off really fucking cool. And sometimes Jericho comes across as really corny and you're like, wait, I'm not supposed to like those really cool dudes and I am supposed to like these fucking cheese balls. It almost has that same dissonance where you're like, uh, the good guys were the ones that kind of wimped out in a sense at the end. I get it's to protect their leader, but like, I think that's why it like kind of felt kind of like eh, to me was, it was just like the guys who are supposed to fight for fight for what's right, no matter what are the ones that are kind of like taking the easy way out in a sense. Um, so I I'm with you and like it, it felt unresolved, but they don't do this to us a lot. So I'm willing to see where it goes, but I'm with you. I wanted like a clear ending. I think Jericho's probably going away for a little bit anyway. So I think there's no harm in having a clear ending. If the pinnacle comes out on top, they're fucking bragging like heels. If the faces come out on top, they're talking about how the pinnacle sucks out of the gate or whatever. Like, I think you could have had something more clear, but they don't do this to us a lot. MJF couldn't have looked fucking more heelish in that situation. (laughs) And, uh, so, but I, I, I agree. It just didn't feel like it was like we went through this, like you said, it was like this war and then there was no like winner. The results didn't match up with the actions that we just saw or something. It was weird. I used the term bluff before. And then after 
you know, Kate laying out her scenario of what she thinks would happen. Maybe blow off. Maybe this wasn't a blow off. Maybe this is, you know, what's what lights the fuse on the stick of dynamite. And Jericho's definitely going away because Fozzie's going on tour. The, maybe the idea was to uh, give us the illusion that the impact of the Jericho fall, the idea of him getting thrown off the top of this was so severe. That's why Sammy surrendered. You know, and maybe they knew, like, there's a crash pad under there and it might look cheese dick. <laughs> you know, and again, I think Sammy being the one to throw the towel in. You know, now Jericho goes away. And to your point before, Kate, now we see Sammy and MGF. Maybe we get Hager and uh, Wardlow, FTR, Santana, Ortiz. Um, you know, MGF can go back to not. He doesn't have to wrestle every week. He can be the mouthpiece to his group, you know, and then maybe this goes on until... Uh, full gear in November and Sammy brings back Jericho. Maybe Sammy takes over the inner circle. Yeah. I mean that I was actually just going to say at this point, you know, with uh, Jericho going to have to take some time off. And I mean, I don't know what his touring schedule is, you know, if he would be able to make appearances in the middle of the touring schedule, but I think clearly Jericho is going to go away to do his tour and take some time to do that. Um, someone's going to have to step up and fill that role for the inner circle. And I think it's going to be Sammy out of everybody's out of everybody who's there. It's not Hager. And then you've got Santana and Ortiz and they're not going to let one of them stand above the other. Right. Cause they're on an even keel as a tag team. It's going to be Sammy because I think not only for him having given up and feeling like now I have to right all those wrongs, um, but also when you think about how they have constantly pumped up Sammy as he was the guy handpicked by Jericho as the first member of the inner circle, like he is obviously the guy who will carry them through and maybe the, somebody else will kind of hop in and fill in a fifth spot, right? Like maybe they'll figure out a way to get a fifth back in. Yeah. Maybe it'll be Cody. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> well, listen, either way, I ha I did not have as many issues with this. Like, I didn't have an issue with him hitting a crash pad. I think I said in the Discord, I just don't want to see Jericho go through the cage, and I didn't want to see him go off the stage. You know, uh, clearly he went off the cage, you know, onto the stage, and that made sense. But, like, I just didn't want to see it happen there kind of at the end as the result because we've kind of seen it done, right? Mankind did it. We don't want to see that to be the result. Um, I was okay with him hitting a crash pad. I don't have any of those problems. I agree the look wasn't great. They could have found a way to make it look better, but clearly no issue with him hitting a pad. The botches Matt, that you mentioned, like, yeah, there were some botches. I think that's expected when there's so much shit going on <laughs> and so much debris. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it's, I think you have to, you know, expect that the good outweighs the bad. I thought this was a fantastic match, lived up to the hype, and you, you know, you got what you paid for if you were sitting there in the audience. So I thought it was a fantastic night. I thought it was a really strong show, and I'm interested to see what the ratings are for this. Yeah, so am I. Hopefully they're good. Well, 
that was the show for the night. Uh, so we do have a couple. I know we're we're almost out of here. We got a couple things that we have to talk about that made the wires this week. One of the big things that came out was that uh, uh, Andrade has, uh, while he's got a lot of stuff going on, um, I think he's lined up a match with Alberto Del Rio, and he's also going to be doing something with Roosh. Uh, he is signed now with AAA. And he came out at their Rey de Reyes event to call out Kenny Omega and challenge for the AAA Mega Campeonato. Uh, so it looks like we are going to get Andrade versus Kenny Omega. And Omega actually uh, kind of came out and responded to that. Now, the interesting thing here is that uh, Andrade uh, basically said he wants to challenge for this and he wants to do it at Triple Mania. Uh, what is this 29 uh, if I'm reading my Roman numerals correct triple mania 29 uh, and a date hasn't been confirmed but a lot of people are saying that they're trying to get back on schedule this year because last year's was delayed obviously due to COVID so the date would be in August of 2021 and that's right around the time of all out which I believe this year's taking place like the first weekend in September um, so the timing is a little rough, uh, especially if Kenny Omega gets through to both of those events as champions, which I think we think he's going to. Um, but it was uh, it was fun because Kenny Omega actually on Twitter uh, retweeted the video of Andrade challenging uh, Kenny to the championship. And uh, his quote was, I'm a busy guy. Give me some time to think about it. Um, and also in some Kenny Omega news, uh, 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 Matt's guy, the switchblade, Jay White. Um, uh, he defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi to claim the never open weight title. Uh, and he celebrated by throwing a jab at Omega uh, <clears throat> and the nickname, the triple A AEW uh, and impact champ. Uh, you know what Kenny has given himself. Jay White has said the first ever never intercontinental u.s uh and heavyweight champion he is the real belt collector and if you dispute that you know where to find me so matthew there's a lot of interesting stuff going on here first of all to both of you guys one uh my thoughts on andrade versus kenny i will definitely pay money to see that i'm weighing on that and obviously matt there are still all of these jabs going back and forth across the Pacific uh, from, you know, uh, the current bullet club uh, and, you know, uh, the elite uh, and their, uh, you know, quote unquote bullet club. Um, how does all this stuff strike you guys uh, are, I mean, clearly Jay White, Kenny Omega. Yup. Um Andrade, Kenny Omega, yes, uh, in my book. Uh, Matt, you're Jay White, Mark, so I want to go to you first. I love it. I love I love it. The idea of this is huge. Jay White took that U.S. title off of Kenny Omega, uh, so I think that would be awesome. Um, love Andrade. Love that, the prospect of that. And, and I'll sprinkle this in there for you, boy. Uh, Osprey retained against Shingo and the next defense for him is against Okada for the IWGP world champion chip. 
So if Okada beats Osprey, there's also Okada Omega four that could be in the mix. Or Osprey Omega, like even Oh like yeah. It. Holy moly guacamole. So there's so <laughs> I mean, I love it. I love the uh I love the uncertainty. Uh I, I love it all. I can't wait to see how it plays out. It's gonna be a very crazy summer. Yeah, I love this too. I think it's great that, I mean, Andrade was extremely passionate about, um, you know, Hispanic wrestling, especially. And so to see him go right back to AAA when I'm sure he had his pick up the litter of where he wanted to go next, I think is awesome that he went and did what he wanted to do. His wife is raking in plenty, or wife to be is raking in plenty of money. I'm sure he can sacrifice it. Um, but I just, I love, it's like with Moxley. I love when wrestlers get to do whatever the fuck they want to do after working really hard and building up a ton of credibility with their name. So um, that would be, I think, a fantastic match. Uh, oh my God, Osprey Omega, Okada Omega again, any day of the week. Jay White Omega, fuck yeah. And like Matt alluded to, there's already a natural story because that U.S. championship was taken from Kenny Omega by Jay White. So, and it's just fun. Is it going to happen in New Japan? Is it going to happen in AEW? Is a is Impact going to work themselves into it somehow? Like, I just love the the possibility thinking. It's it's endless, first of all, and it's awesome. And then occasionally they throw something completely out of left field at us, like uh, Moxley and Yugata. So I am uh, so pumped for all the possibilities. Well, um, I listen. I said it. I'm in on Andrade and uh, and Kenny and my goodness, Jay White, Kenny, sign me up. I just want to get there. I I just want to get there to this New Japan and AEW relationship because of all the issues and jabbing that's going back and forth on social about these bullet clubs going at it, fake bullet club versus real bullet club. Like, I'm just, I want to get there. And I think that that's the best part is being like so anxious to get there uh, makes us all so much more fun. I don't think you'll see that until travel opens up. Well, of course. Yeah. I mean, uh, clearly now Japan is in a whole different state than they were, you know, a month ago, uh, new restrictions put in place, uh, clearly new Japan with the COVID news that broke today. Um, yeah, it's definitely, we've got time before we get there for sure. And I think from, um, from a new Japan, I'm sorry to cut you off, Ann. I know from a new Japan, uh, perspective they've been trying to to get more exposure in the states and this new japan strong whatever they're doing friday nights on new japan world is definitely helping but if you team up with AEW and you come in and you do those three night swings you know boston new york philly i mean when me and kate and maddie mel went i mean shit was sold out all three nights now you throw in the AW and you can go from the Hammerstein ballroom to Madison square garden. You know, you could do, you could do bigger arenas yeah. and you could sell the fuck out. Uh, and if these guys are being shown on AEW TV and then you can see them live, like it's a win for everybody. And then when the, it goes, when they go to Japan, the AEW guys, like people are going to flock to new Japan world. Are yeah, we Kate. Like a, a full world's collide situation. Do we think at some point, like, is this just going to be a, a tri-branded pay-per-view or something like I, is it gonna go that big yes i think so i think new japan saw new japan saw the success 
of running at the Garden with Ring of Honor. And that deal was put in place because Ring of Honor was so successful with the Elite. Mm. You know, that was all signed the year before. And Ring of Honor, on a hope and a prayer, said, let's just hope at the end of this year all these guys sign. And they didn't. They created AEW. But at that point, the fucking show was sold at at the Garden because no one's run at the Garden in forever. And yeah, I think there was a AAA show like a couple weeks before that. Uh, but now you put AEW in and you do an AEW New Japan show at the fucking Garden. I yeah, mean, I mean, listen, look, the Garden's could... open territory now, right? Like since that show, you know, they had said like since that Ring of Honor New Japan show, that was the first non-WWE wrestling promotion to run a show at the Garden in what, like 20 years? Like something crazy. Yeah, it was a long um, time. Now you could go, you, know, you I... could shoot for the stars. Would it be insane to say MetLife Stadium? I mean, I th- I think that's a stretch. I personally think that that's just too big. But I definitely think that the Garden is in play. If you said, we're going to do an AEW New Japan, and then if you even want to throw a third promotion in that, um, and we're going to run the Garden, I think, yes, that sells out just like Ring of Honor New Japan did. And... Though I think that would sell out faster because AEW is on TV every week. It's a TV show. People know it. People watch it. And you've got all the people who were... Listen, I was at that Garden New Japan Ring of Honor show, and I think there were more New Japan marks there than Ring of Honor marks. I mean, people were singing in Japanese. New Japan was also breaking their back trying to carry that card at that point, too. I have... I also met these jack wagons there. Um, but I, uh, yeah, it, I just looked up the capacity for the Meadowlands. It's 82.5, which is like a really heavy number. Um, and I think you just want to look good selling out the garden and then try and get to that point rather than undersell a place. Just like sell out the garden in 20 minutes and have that be the victory lap. But um, I think that would be awesome. And I think you could you could create so many great matches, new Japan, AEW and impact. Why not throw ring of honor in there? Fuck. Let's go. Let's do it. I'm in. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, just to, when you look at the building sizes that AEW had been going after prior to the, you know, the, the lockdowns, right. They were going for smaller, uh, smaller stadiums and they were okay. Not selling those out. Like they had anticipated not selling out some of those mid range, you know, uh, sheds. So like, you know, um, not the garden, but, you know, the Prudential Center and possibly, you know, Long Island uh, at the barn. Uh, those types of rooms, you know, they definitely wouldn't have a problem. Uh, the garden, I think if they tried to do a TV show there, um, they probably would have a tough time selling out themselves. But if they can pull in another promotion, they had no problem selling out, especially New Japan. So, listen, it's going to be fun to see where all of this goes. I think the bottom line is we're all in on Andrade versus Kenny and the Switchblade versus Kenny. Absolutely. What else we got? It's time to pull this train into the station, buddy. I'm working on it. Uh, there were a lot of rumors this week uh, with uh, Tessa Blanchard signing somewhere. So clearly uh, there were uh, from last week's NXT show, there was a vignette that a lot of people thought was uh, uh, going to be Tessa. Um I- uh, 
<laughs> well, other people are saying that that is going to be some sort of MMA style faction, uh, and it's not necessarily Tessa. There's still a lot of kind of rumor talk there. There was a report that came out this week by SE Scoops, uh, which you know I don't really take a lot of what they say uh, at face value. You have to take everything with a grain of salt that I see there. But SE Scoops did put a report out that said that Tessa and Daga have been negotiating with AEW for a month or more now, and that the signing is all but a formality and that uh, officials have discussed acknowledging her prior issues in the past and using her signing uh, as some sort of redemption style storyline. There were other reports that came out from some other sources, a little bit more credible uh, that basically said, you know, talented some recent dark tapings and stuff like that, that were asked about Tessa said that that is absolutely not happening. So it's a lot of rumor mill stuff, but I mean, uh at this point i i I don't know the reason i even bring this up guys is do we think that this women's division absolutely still needs tessa i mean obviously she's a she's a diamond that's still out there but they're doing pretty good on their own now do you think this would throw everything out the window you take tessa however you can get her and make it work i don't think you i don't think you turn her down but she has to be able to work within the women's division. She can't come in and call the shots. They have a, they're starting to gain traction, but you don't, you don't turn her away. If she wants to go there, Tony Khan has talked to her. They've ironed things out. Everyone's cool with it. Now, look, if, if people don't want her there and Tony Khan says, fuck this, we're just going to sign her anyway, then you're going to have problems. You're going to have another evil lease on your hands. Um, I have, I, I I just don't think it's happening, and I don't get the Daga thing. I saw him in Impact. I didn't think he was anything special. I don't follow the CMLL, AAA. You know, I'm sure he's great. I'm just – I don't care. You know, let her – let the chips fall where they may. Um, you know, tons of – a lot of these wrestling journalists just put shit out there to get clicks and likes and retweets and whatever, and some of them aren't entirely true, so – I I just don't see Tony Khan going back on his word when it comes to you know all these allegations against Tessa cuz he cuz he's a businessman he's not stupid and he knows if they incur that's just they're just going to pop up they're going to come out of the fucking woodworks again and people are just going to be adding Tony Khan and reminding him rightfully so if he decides to do this you better be ready for the firestorm that's coming. And I don't know, man. You know, if that's the type of person she is, yeah, people make mistakes. But if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Yeah, and we just saw East be a duck. I'd, I also just think if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now, to be honest. There was a whole tournament that you could have brought her in on. There was like, I just feel like if it was going to happen, her dad's there. If they wanted her, they would have gotten her. And now the division is stronger. So now they're going to go get her? No fucking way. I think it's a big load of crap. And I think Daga is one of the most boring wrestlers I've seen in a really long time. So I have no interest in either of them. And I think if they were going to sign her, she'd be inked by now. Um, and yeah, I, if you're going to get rid of Ivelisse for no selling and then bring her in, that feels very hypocritical. Just to, uh, just to, and I'm going to look this up just to be, okay, yeah, it is Tully. There's because the dynamic with them is weird. Tully is her father, but Magnum TA raised her. 
Yeah, there's a an odd dynamic. Uh, like Tully, father, there. like she was born and she was Tully's, but then like they got a divorce when she was like really young, and I think Magnum TA raised her. Yes, I believe that's correct. Yeah, that sounds like a dark episode, dark side episode waiting to happen. <laughs> well, the the other thing too is Kate. Just to kind of close out uh, the Tessa talk was. Uh, you know, you talked about why wouldn't you just bring her in during the tournament? You know, the tournament did take place when we were still in in a, a pretty heavy lockdown period. And the rumors were that Tessa was hanging out in Mexico uh, during heavy lockdown periods before she was going to do anything again. So, I mean, that could be a possible reason why if they were going to sign her that we wouldn't have seen her at this point. It, it's just... I think what keeps a lot of this rumor mill talk going is the fact that she's still a out there and B there are a lot of, uh, you know, social images out there where she is training with wrestlers on both sides of the fence, right? Like there are pictures of her training with uh, Bailey and Sasha Banks. There are also pictures of her training with AEW talent, which she's also very close to. You look at a lot of her social and there's a lot of AEW people who are commenting on her shit and you know uh liking it and stuff like that so i think that that stuff just continues to fuel the the rumor mills as well uh yes man uh i just looked something up two two sources very close to the mark order podcast have said aew and tessa blanchard is a firm no those two uh sources would be srs my best friend and mike johnson my other best friend so i mean there you go. Yeah. Listen, put, put a until, fork in it. It's done, baby. Well, until she signs anywhere, you know, nothing is confirmed, right? I mean, nobody knew Sting was signing. Nobody knew, you know, that that was going down. I mean, who knows? Uh, listen, I'm I'm not taking anything until she's uh she signed on the dotted line anywhere, so it doesn't matter. Um uh, something that's pretty interesting uh, is that uh, Tony Khan did an interview with Entrepreneur, uh, and um, he was asked actually about, um, uh, you know, kind of booking in AEW. The question he was asked was that he, you mentioned serving the fans, your ultimate competition, the WWE, gets some criticism for being disingenuine. Uh, disingenuous that its product exists to serve its fans. How do you convince your audience that those claims about AEW are genuine? And Tony Khan went into this answer about basically booking um, AEW. And it's just funny that it came up <laughs> uh, on the night we get blood and guts because his answer says that there's a lot of differences. I really, I don't do really cheap DQ finishes to prolong something. There are other wrestling programs where you might see multiple DQs and count outs in a week. I believe in giving fans a finish to the match. I believe in non-false advertising programs and people. I might hype something I really believe in, but there's a big difference between hyping something and false advertising outright. And I've never done the latter. Um, I just find it funny because I feel like we didn't get a definitive booking finish to this match tonight. Um, and I just thought it was interesting. It seems like even though, um, you know, he doesn't like basically jabbing it uh, or he's, you know, kind of said he doesn't need to jab at WWE. He's constantly taking jabs um, where he yeah. needs to. So, just is, another funny. How they def- differentiate themselves, though, truly. Like, there's no finishes, and there's no 50-50 booking. Like, he's right, and that you get way more definitive outcomes compared to the competition. So, 
jab kind of also the truth yeah <laughs> yeah i just thought it was funny because we got the end to the match uh and then matt you mentioned it before uh, the last thing that actually came out uh today may 5th ahead of blood and guts um Tony Khan uh, in his kind of regular Wednesday spot on busted open announced that um, May 30th double or nothing will happen in front of a full capacity crowd at Jacksonville's daily place. And that there will be a Saturday fan fest along with the live uh, with the live show uh, taping that they already knew would be taking place on Friday, May 28th. Uh, So um, clearly Florida's Florida. They have lifted all of their restrictions way before this, but they were not operating at capacity. They were 25, now 40%. This is going to be uh, approximately, I'd say, like 5,500 people. Some of the numbers I've seen have been different for the capacity of Daly's Place, but it looks like it would be full capacity is 5,500. So it's not a huge crowd, and it is outdoors. Do you guys think this is a good idea? Or is this way too soon to be trying to push something like this? Because we're still not really out of the woods yet. I mean, you know what you're signing up for at this point. You want to you wanna buy a ticket? You want to go? You assume the risks. I mean, I don't know. It's like beating it. It's, you know, we're going around and around. People, they did it in Texas. I don't know what happened after opening day, but. They fucking jammed them and they yeah. like sausages. That was a lot more than 5,500 people. Yeah. And a lot of people not wearing masks, which was frightening. Uh, but it, it should be noted, too, that uh, I, I don't know what happened or if there was any ill effects, but the UFC did do a show in Jacksonville last month, and it was 15,000-plus people indoors. Um, so this is a little bit, uh, this is a little bit different. Uh, me personally, you know, uh, listen, I wouldn't be at a full capacity show. I'm just not ready for that right now. Um, uh, even some places like, you know, I, I had to go to the mall last week for the first time in over a year. Um, and I was wearing a mask walking around and it was weird. And it was also uncomfortable to be wearing a mask for, you know, a long period indoors and I wasn't in there for hours, but I was walking around for a little bit. So would I want to sit at a three hour wrestling show, uh, shoulder to shoulder with other people, uh, in a mask? Probably not. So I'm just not going to go. Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't feel too early. Kind of. Yeah. Have most people had a chance to go get a vaccine at this point, like three weeks from now, probably. So, um, I, is it ideal? I feel like in another month it would be fine, but like, like a month after blood and guts, it would be like a lot better. But to Matt's point, if you're goofed out about it, stay home. Florida's going to Florida. So what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, I believe they have lifted all restrictions and they're open back at, a, you know, full operating procedures in Florida, like nothing happened so no mask mandates full capacity everywhere travel wherever you want to travel so we'll see what happens but it was big news today they're gonna be in front of a full capacity crowd it's only five thousand plus so it's not huge but it should be interesting to see the reaction of the fans uh live on tv when this happens and that is our final news note of the night nothing on daniel bryan being a free agent huh 
Well, I mean, that's fantasy booking at this point, right? I mean, I think most of the wrestling fans out there know that Daniel Bryan's a free agent. Um, I can but... take to my dream matches, and I'll take it to my dreams. So we can pull the train into the station. Well, <laughs> we will be back next week. You can follow us on all of our social at Mark Order Pod, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Kate, you want to add something? Um, keep an eye out for next week's poll where we will name the schlong segment. That's right. So keep it locked. Keep keep up with us on social. This Thanks for checking us out. Podcast. We'll be back next we are week. To your regularly scheduled programming. Join the Mark Order.